and welcome to Who Can Convince You, the first of what I hope is going to be many bonus episodes. And today, I've got a special guest with me, and we're going to be discussing the music of Doctor Who. So, let's get on with it. Hello, and welcome to the first bonus episode, as I said in the intro. I've got a guest with me. So my guest is a friend of mine, Tim. Hello. Um, so we've had some questions in to ask you yeah. before we delve into the music. So I think the first thing everybody wanted to know is our relationship. This is a bit my castaway this week. <laughs> <laughs> what is our relationship? Tolerable? Have we known each other? Well, I'm sure we had our... <laughs> Our twentieth anniversary was oh, last week. Twenty it? years. Oh, good grief. Yeah, twenty years. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, that's hideous. That is. So that's it's um, gone like that. Yeah. Dear me. So friends for twenty years now. Yes. Good going. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So y- you were my piano teacher. I was. You for a few short years. For a few for a few short years. Mm-hmm. Um, Until you got too good. Well. I didn't want to say it myself. <laughs> um, just couldn't keep up. So, <laughs> so, and then it, it's been mostly musical since then, hasn't it? It's really, been, it's been mainly musical, isn't it? Yeah, but there really isn't anything else. I can't do anything else, really. Uh, neither can I. You know. It's... No, you're right. It has been all musical ever since. Yeah, it's not as though we go to the pub or anything. No, it's just been all music. <sighs> Two varying degrees of success. <laughs> All of them not very successful. Oh, no. it's, it's weird though, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. It's, but, yeah. It seems to be a thing, doesn't it, with the bands that uh, there's one that's successful and then the rest... All the rest are trying to live up to it. Yeah, and yeah. it never quite gets there, does yeah. it? But, um, so, obviously we're going to be talking about the music of said program in the description yep. today. Yep. And to sort of give us some credibility to be able to talk about this, I am not going to say the M word. We're, we're not a fan of musician as oh, right. the descriptive. Okay. Right. Well, I'm not a fan of <clears throat> people saying, I'm a musician, you know. Yeah. Um, But I suppose we've got to say that to give us some... Well, no... I'm not a fan of the word musician, and I think anyone who calls himself a musician is like people calling themselves artists or poets. It just gets on my nerves. The poet formerly known as... Yeah, yeah. an artist, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I tell you, let's, let's give everybody a bit of a musical background. Yeah. Then, just so that we can sort of... We know what we're talking about. It doesn't matter... That we know what we're talking about. No, but it doesn't. at least it gives it a little bit of credibility of sort of. Yeah. We can say something knowing what that is, whether it is good or bad. Is nothing. That's just an opinion. Yeah, I'd say. It All doesn't. Right. Uh, yes. you, so, as you're our guest, and I'll put you first, whilst I think. <sighs> Musical credentials. Well, I suppose. Oh. You've got a bass. I've got a bass, <laughs> and I, I've got a piano. Well, um, and I studied music properly mm. in university. Uh, so it means I've got a degree. 
And I've listened to a lot of music. You, you have? And I've done a fair amount of piano teaching. And I've been in a few bands. You have? And I used to be a drummer, but I haven't done that properly for a long time. So basically, I play most things that you'll find in a normal group. Hmm. But I've played in orchestras as well. Well, I was going to come on to that. Right. Because from... From what my memory, if my memory serves me right, you have a link with Doctor Who that maybe you're not aware with, aware of, where with, aware of, uh, a werewolf, a werewolf, that the orchestra you used to play with is now the orchestra that plays. I think parts of it are. Yes. Yeah. That they, they use yeah. for Doctor the BBC. Yeah. yeah. Welsh concert orchestra, isn't it? Yeah. Is it the Welsh concert orchestra, or are they just the BBC I concert don't know what orchestra? They are, no. They seem to change their name all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you were percussion? Percussion. I'm guessing. Because I couldn't play anything else than they normally play in an orchestra. <laughs> Apart from piano badly, but you don't get, like, happy birthday piano concerto. So I was uh, ruling myself out of that one. But, yeah. yeah. So, go on. Percussion. So let's, let's delve into that a little bit more before we move on to anything else. <sighs> what did that entail? Nerve-wracking hours spent trying to figure out where you were in the score. When the percussion Wait stopped, 90 bars. Wait 90 bars, count 90 bars, and, and then hope. come in with a massive bang, <laughs> if you were lucky. Um, you can understand why a lot of musicians, especially horn players and percussionists, either have serious problems or serious drink problems, because it's nerve-wracking. Well, like yourself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All my hair's fallen out. You've got to count and count and count. And well, if- you, you see stories of, uh, you know, harp players and sort of knitting whilst yes. they're waiting, you know, yeah. well, uh, 200 bars. You, you see, you can see people in orchestra pits in big shows like Cats or Starlight Express. They've been there for such a long time, they can read the newspaper. Yeah, they're not. They'll sit there, read yeah. the newspaper, and they know roughly how long it takes for them to pick up the instrument and have a yeah. go and put it back down again. It was never like that for when me. When the conductor gets a bit sweaty, yes. you know it's time. It was you know. never like that for me. They're always frantically counting, and you're looking down the line to make sure everybody else is frantically counting as well. Or aren't looking at you. Oh, where, where are you? Yes, where are you? Why haven't you come in? Or why did you come in? Yeah. Uh, it is. It is completely nerve-wracking. Yeah. And if you lose your way, then I remember losing my way, and we only found our way back by looking at the rhythm of the elbows of the second violins. As you do. As you do. And well, you think, oh, finally, I well, know where I am now. I'd say, to be, to be fair, I've never done the orchestral thing, but from the band perspective, whenever I've got lost in a song, which I will say and hold my hand up, is pretty much every song of every gig well, I've ever done yeah, where I get lost. Get lost. I, I am relying on looking at your left hand if you're playing yes. bass. Uh, but to I'm, sort of think, what are you playing? But then again, I, you're, yeah, you're, I'm, looking, I'm looking at your You're looking at me. To try yeah. to figure out where the rhythm is on what you're doing. And I think that probably comes into the whole aspect of music, that it is a very... Um, what's the word for it? It's a give-and-take thing, isn't it? It has to be. Because uh, I think otherwise, if you're not all in it together, if you're just playing your... If you're just looking at your parts... Yeah. Um you got the sheets. Be, don't know why I'd be looking at my parts yeah. through a song, but, anyway. but um, you know, yeah. If you're if you're just playing your part and not listening, You've, or watching at least, you can't play in isolation if you're part of a band. No. 
You've got to be sensitive to everybody else, um, which is why I think the way we used to do it, all in a line, so all you've got to do is look sideways, yeah. and you can see the person to your right or to your left. Well, right I, I, left. well, yeah, I always used to like a slight yes. dish. So you could always see someone. Yeah. You always know where you are then. I mean, if you're not sensitive to what's going on around you, uh, then you've had it, really. Well, you that's, can't do it in isolation. To be fair, that's one of the bugbears that I have. We will get into Doctor Who in a minute. Okay, but that's fine. one of the bugbears that I have with the bands that I'm in at the minute, yeah. is where mostly uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the face of it, I'll yes. say. You know, because I'm because I'm singing as well. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that people, that's what they're looking for essentially, isn't it? If you unless you're going to see Emerson, Lake and Palmer or the police, but yes. even still, there's still they, somebody they are, that's there. They isn't are there? still that's the there. They're all still looking and listening. So I think with the bands that I'm in now, I'm always told you've got to go at the front, and the drums are behind you, mm-hmm. and the bass player's on your left, and the guitar. Yeah. You know, and I hate that. But that relies on everybody knowing what they're doing. Mm. and sometimes people don't and sometimes even if they do know what they're doing and you make a mistake then if you can't see or hear anyone properly then there's no way back well no yeah that's and yeah that's that's basic that's the reason i don't like not being able to see anybody other than the audience exactly. whenever there's anybody there there's a confidence but... there isn't there that there's people there <laughs> that man and his dog watching yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah but i say and after a while, you do get a certain sort of telepathy, and which I'd say, which I'd say, it's going to go well, isn't it? Um, which I'd say we've probably got at this point, haven't we? Where we can play, yes, if we can remember a song to if, play, if we can remember a song, yeah. Remember, you've got more things to remember than I have. You've got chords and words. And words. I yeah. just got to remember which fret to put my finger on. Yeah, and which end of the bass to blow, to blow down. down. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because we, really, when we play now, we don't. Other than when we're learning a piece, I, I know where you're going to go. Yeah, yeah. And I know where you're. Yes, standing. Thinking of going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you end up there or not is a different. Yeah, you're right. So. Um, Let's steer it a little bit more now into the realm of the podcast. The podcast. So, obviously, this is a Doctor Who podcast. Yep. And you, I'd say, you're not known for your fan... Um, what's the what's the polite way of putting this? Not that you've you bashed the show. <clears throat> no. But you are not openly... A fan. I'm not openly a fan. Let's let's put it no. that way. I don't think I've watched a complete one for a long, long time. I've watched bits, yeah, bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. I have a friend who's a big fan. Mm-hmm. She's got them all. She knows the music, the lot. And I might have watched one, but I can't remember it. The last time I watched a complete one was probably Tom Baker was in charge, probably. Right. Well, that's fine. So, on from that then. Memories. Good song. I knew. I saw that. I saw your mind work then. As I said that, I thought I shouldn't have said that. But it's like feelings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have you any memories growing up? Because obviously you're of the age, by the time, yes. of its heyday, really. So what year were you born? 61. 61. So two years before 
Doctor Who started. Yes. So, what's your earliest... Did you watch it as a child? You had to watch it as a child, because it was the best thing on TV all week. Mm. And you had no choice. And it was on at the best time. Yeah. It was on, as I remember, five, quarter past five, on a Saturday. Yeah. And that was the best time to have anything on, of course. Yeah. Because you'd either been swimming or you'd been out... And you come in. Ratting. Just... <laughs> Dredging of, the canal. Trousers full of ferrets. <laughs> Used to come in. <laughs> and it, it was on at the best time. It was on Saturday afternoon after the pools and the results and that sort of stuff. So it, my memories of the programme are not of the programme. My memories of the programme are the music. Or is the my memory <laughs> let's not let's not put plural is the music and I think anyone of my age well everyone knows the music let's face it most the people thing, yeah the, there's certain things isn't there with the program that even if you don't if you're not a fan yeah you probably know the theme tune yeah you probably know the scarf you have a favorite doctor there's a thing isn't there there's yes. a, there tends to be like if <clears throat> doctor who is you know on the Simpsons, yeah, or something. It's, it is always Tom Baker. It's always Tom Baker. It's, never, it's never John Pertwee. No. So I, I sort of, I was half John Pertwee and half Tom Baker. See that that probably is a golden period. It was though. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When it is. So, and like I was saying, my memory of it is the music, and it, I don't remember episodes. I remember bits and pieces of episodes, and I remember one thing I used to be scared of when I was smaller, but it's the music that does it. And the music, to anyone of my age, I hope, will instantly take you back to a Saturday afternoon. Mm. And when I hear the music, first thing I think of is Doctor Who, and the second thing I think of is probably Trifle. <laughs> because with a bit of luck, you'd have that for tea on a Saturday. And Doctor Who theme tune meant you were sitting down having tea after the news, and it was nice. That was Saturday afternoons, and it sort of sums it up, and it would sum it up, I should imagine, for most people my age. Mm. Well, yeah, that tends to be a thing that, you know, it evokes a time, doesn't it? It evokes rather. a time. I wish that I could good, say that. Fantastic, that was. It, um, yes. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's it redolent of an era, yes. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's very much a, a bookmark <laughs> in your past. <laughs> Any I'm trying to think of another one that I <laughs> no, can't think of one. It is. Yeah, uh, and it, it is. Yeah. Yes. It is. It is like a bookmark. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Any more? <clears throat> I can't think I of don't one. Don't think I think of no. another one. Um, so, even though you've said that you can't remember specific episodes or yeah. stories, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you that question anyway. Right, of specific things that you can remember, story-wise, because <clears throat> everybody tends to remember the Daleks, yeah. or it's the generic <clears throat> hide-behind-the-sofa thing. Right. I never hid behind the sofa. Because it was against the wall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't remember any stories. No. I can't remember a story at all. Can you remember <clears throat> anything, any, have you any visual stimuli from it? My main stimuli has always been the music. It was the music. And this is what I can't understand about hiding behind the sofa. You can hide, hide, hide behind the sofa or behind your hands and you can peek out through. But you can't get away from the music. But there again, I've always had a problem with music. There was a thing on Blue Peter, way back, probably mid-60s, and it was called 
bleep and booster. And it was about two little aliens and it was black and white. And it, it wasn't an animation, it was just drawings that would just move around. Imagine that. Imagine that. What they'd, a time to realise. They'd, they'd move this black and white drawing of two aliens and then they'd put another one, they'd shake it a bit because there'd been an explosion. But the music from that used to scare the living daylight out of me. And I hated it. I couldn't stay in the room with it. And it was the same. <clears throat> it wasn't quite the same with Doctor Who. But there were certain sounds on Doctor Who that you can't get away from. And they're scary sounds. Mm. And that's, that's my main memory. As for stories, no. As for visual stimuli, no. It is... Well, maybe there was one visual thing that I was scared of. Can I have a guess what that would be? Carry on with these... Your... <clears throat> but it was always the music for me. Yeah, or the sounds, or whatever. Hmm. There we are. Okay. Are you going to say something? I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to bring up your scary on-screen... Bleep and booster? Yeah. <laughs> I... Th Have you got a sofa? <laughs> <laughs> if you shake your hands in front of your face slightly, that slows down the picture. I d I'm going to assume, and I don't know whether anybody else that really... Uh, so I might be putting myself out here as a wimp. Right. So it might just be me yeah. that's on this. Yeah. I am going to take a guess that judging by your horrific age... Yeah, um, I know. Your your main visual fear yeah. from the programme yeah. is Davros. No. No? No. Not bothered about Davros. Right. Now, this is interesting. Yeah. Davros. I want to see Davros. I was just looking in the mirror. Um, <laughs> it is... It was... Right, it was the Cybermen. Hated the Cybermen. Mm. Oh, scary. But I never hid from them. It, it was the sort of the scary things I hoped would be on. And they very mm. rarely were. You had to put up with like other things like sea devils and stuff like that. But or Daleks. I wasn't that keen on the Daleks, really. Cybermen were the ones. Mm. Proper robots. See, that? See that's that's different. The, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. That most people, I don't, well, I don't think, would cite the Cybermen seriously as a particularly. Well, they were. Oh God, the Cybermen! Oh dear me! Yeah, I agree. Scary things. I, they're probably my favourite villain. Yeah, but I wouldn't say they're ever used particularly well. No, I think they're more. The thought of them is probably worse than what is on screen. Yes. Yeah, I think my main worry about the Cybermen was and it all stems for one Christmas I had a book, it's a Reader's Digest book of wonder or stuff and it was full of things and one of the chapters in there was all the bits of your body that you could replace if they got chopped off in horrible accidents I was wondering where this was going then right. and it was prosthetic arms and on all sorts of nonsense and then they were saying that in the future they could probably make things that could implant into your brain it's like cyber stuff. And I must have spent most of my young age <laughs> being worried about being turned into a cyberman. I mean, what was like an 11-year-old cyberman, what a cyber, cyber child would do, I don't know. But it was always something that lurked in the back of my mind. Mm. And I think it was because of that. I yeah. didn't want to be a cyberman. You've got to say, if it, you're a child of the 60s, you have to say, cyberman. Yes, you have to. You Cyberman. Yeah, a lot of that sixties, early seventies Doctor Who. If yeah. anything's man, it's yes. Mun. Mun. Oh yeah. Policeman. All right, Mun. Mun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the Cybermen, because they were they were recognisable. 
hmm. as people, but they were also a bit dangerous. Well, uh, to open up a can of worms now, as we were just discussing the world of fandom before yep. hitting record, yep. we just ordered a Cyberman head. Oh, a new Cyberman head. An old Cyberman, oh, old Cyberman, yes. Cyberman head. Oh, From see. a story called The Invasion. Oh. Patrick Troughton's story. You were able to specify your Cyberman head? I was able to specify exactly <laughs> what story wow. I wanted it from. This is fantastic. <laughs> Who's your favourite Sontaran? Who's your <laughs> but um yeah because i ordered it yeah. purely because of the fear factor i has had i has yeah. i had as a child yeah. of that particular story now you want one that, in the corner of and your now room. i want one lit up yeah in the corner of the room wow so yeah that's interesting do you yes. remember if you you were scared of the cyberman and now i'm probably doing uh some body language tactics on you now. Yeah. Now that I've opened up your mind you to the past, over me like a cyberman. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna chop your arm off. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so now that I've opened up your mind yeah. to your childhood, I've yeah. taken you back. I'm back in the room. And, and don't cry. Yeah. Have you got any visual <clears throat> memory of the Cybermen? Just a Cyberman. Just is it the thought of it, or is it particular? It's not anything particular. It's just a Cyberman. Mind you, my memory. I tell you what I'm going to do. Awful, anyway. Whilst we discuss this, I'm just going to get up some some pictures. Right. I can't remember what I had for breakfast, let alone <clears throat> what Cybermen were doing in the seventies. Because of the time that you would have been prime age mm-hmm. for Doctor Who, mm-hmm. would have probably been late Patrick Troughton, early John Pertwee. I'm assuming it was mid John Pertwee. I should imagine. I can't remember Patrick Troughton at all. Um, it was John Pertwee, Tom Baker. Mm. I, John Pertwee in that yellow car used to drive around. Yes. Which has got a name, I think. Bessie. Bessie. I knew there you'd know. So, the, those are some models, some toys of uh, that era. Whoa. Oh, 1968. No, 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 no. Yeah, see, 75, 68. I think 68's the one. Well, that's the one that I've ordered. Is it? Because that's the one. I don't want to see it. You're going to wander around outside, <laughs> me, outside me window at night wearing that. But yeah, that is the one as a kid. Wow. I remember just being terrified because they're not really in that story a lot. No. It's the invasion. Oh. They're not really the main threat, but whenever you did see them, yeah, I, it was awful. Yes, yeah, they they were they were genuinely scary, terrifying. I, I didn't I didn't think anything else was. The, the Daleks, they were just the Daleks. They yeah. had a funny voice, but I just wasn't too bothered about those. But the Cybermen were the ones. All right then. So before we delve any further into the music, yeah, let's just go over what you already know of the programme, non-music-wise. We've sort of skirted around it a little, skirted a little around it. uh, I tell you what, actually, let's change that. Your view as as an outsider looking in. It's Doctor Who. It is. That's it, basically. It's just... 
Because I think it's hard to see what fandom is like when you're yeah. not involved in it. Do you know what I mean? Or hard, hard to see how many different avenues there are behind something when all you see is what's on the telly and you just think everybody watches it and then goes yeah. away. Which is really how they thought about it when they were making it back then. Because it wasn't going to be re-shown. No. Nope. It was shown on that Saturday night yep. or whenever it was on. Yeah. And if you didn't see it, yeah. you couldn't talk about it with your mates on Monday. Yes. Or, you know, yeah. it's throwaway media, I think they say, isn't it? Where uh, well, You'd know more about where that you, than I would. Where it's on for that one time yes. and it won't get shown again nope. unless, you know, obviously it's come out now yeah. on videos with the thing. But, so, what is your perception of what the programme is? What the programme is? That's a, that's, that's, that's Deep, a tricky man. question. Yeah, that's too <laughs> tricky for me. It's a programme about a time traveller. That's it. Yeah. That's all I know. Oh, I'm saying that's all I know. I did half an hour's research this morning. And there seems to be more backstory in the recent ones. There doesn't seem to be much backstory from 1963 onwards. Mm. It was just him travelling through and meeting Daleks and uh, sea devils and ice monsters, whatever they were called. What were they called? Ice warriors. Thank you. Ice warriors. You're all right. And I saved you there from thank you very much. A, yes. a torrent yeah. of online abuse. <laughs> ice warriors. How dare you get him on the podcast? He doesn't know what. <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. But there didn't seem to be much tedious backstory. So Yeah. There's, there is backstory Isn't in there? specific episodes. But yeah. I think nowadays... It is more... It's a theme of a sort of... It just seems to be more backstory than story. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, then. So, if I say certain things, I'll yeah. get slated. Okay. Mm. So, let's get your take yeah. on... Obviously, Doctor Who was on from 63 yes. to 89. If you say so. Yeah, I've probably got it wrong. 88, okay. 89. <clears throat> then there was the film in 96... Yeah. The Paul McGann movie p- film. Yeah. Then it came back in 2005 yep. until now. Yeah. 2005, 2000. I never know when it was. Early 2000s. My half hour this morning says it was 2005. We'll go with 2005. Thank you. So, you, to a certain degree, grew up with classic yes, Doctor Who. I did. And I assume you have seen... Some new who? I have. Would you like to compare and contrast? Oh, do I have to? We've done this on the podcast, because okay. that is the pre- the premise of the podcast, because I haven't really told you much about what it is no. we do here at, uh, no. at Who Can Convince You HQ. Who, who Towers. <laughs> so we take an old story. Yeah. We take a new story. Yeah. Review them both yeah. and sort of see which we prefer or... Right. Yeah. So, refresh my memory. Yes. Okay. The old stories. Yes. Each episode, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Yep. Of a serial. Yes. So, one story is built up of multiple episodes to create that that story. So... Yeah. uh, That one there, The Web Planet, we've done that one on the podcast, Right. is... Six episodes, seven episodes, right. or whatever it is. You see, because I never remember it being like that. I used to sit down with me trifle, if I was lucky, 
and just watch 25 minutes of monsters mm. if I was lucky. And if I was really lucky, the Cyberman would turn up and I'd be a bit scared. Uh, but I never remember any sort of story arc. Ooh, hey. they like that. Yeah, yes. So I'd never remember that. Mm. And I don't know anyone who does because uh, you, you just come in, sit down, watch it, there'd be monsters, and that'd be it. And next week, there'd be monsters again. Now, whether I knew at the time, and I've just forgotten that there was a, a story going mm. on, I don't know, but all I wanted, and I said, most 11, 10, 12-year-olds, they just want monsters. Well, I'm, I'm just going to bring that up now, because we've had this conversation before, not in the world of Doctor Who, no, but more in the world of films and what's on the telly at the minute, yeah. of family values. Oh, this all started off with He-Man, Masters of the Universe, you know, but at the end, someone little thing would turn up and say, love your parents. <laughs> Go to school regularly. <laughs> I mean, maybe it wasn't that um, blatant, but um, yeah, there we are. And I, I seem to remember you have a criteria, and I've sort of adopted this criteria of things that I like of sort of monsters, <laughs> monsters. aliens, yes. big, big guns, yes. Yes. death. Death. You know, there's yeah. a certain want... checklist of yeah. things that... Yeah, I, I don't want any romance getting in the way. Or... Incongruous. Oh, what's the word for it? I don't want to use the word woke. Incongruous right on values that have really no place in science fiction. I have, I, I, I agree. Right. It's terrified to agree then. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've said this on the podcast before now where we've done some David Tennant episodes. Yeah. And he. And I think, to be fair, in nearly every season of New Who, there is a kiss. New Who. New Who. New Who. Right, OK. There is a kiss. One kiss per season. There, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, or in, yeah. in David Tennant's one, every companion kisses him, I think. Seriously? Yeah. It's probably in his contract. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not doing this. If, right. You know, unless yeah. it's there, yes. in black and white. And, right, OK. And I am not a fan of that at all. <sighs> I will say that I'm not a fan of the whole um, the sex thing in science fiction and in especially Doctor Who, which essentially is a children's program. It is a children's program, you know, and it is at the end. It of the always day. is, um, but you never even had a hint of romance, surely? <laughs> not, not really. There was sometimes between a character, not with the regulars. Let's say maybe a companion would have a bit of a flirt with a character who was in a certain story, but it would never really? be where they'd go behind, yeah, no. you know, the TARDIS and you know, <laughs> it would go behind the TARDIS. <laughs> no, but even so, I think back then, right when I was ten or eleven, not that wouldn't have registered. No, and it wouldn't. Yeah, that's the other in, thing is whether times in the late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, and I, I sometimes think, is it just that we're looking at it now through the eyes of somebody who notices that now? You know, whether if you if a child sat down and watched a David Tennant episode, yeah, would they pick, or a season would they pick up on? all of the romance and stuff, or would they forget all about that because there's a Dalek? And just watch the monsters. And just watch... Yeah. Because... Yeah, you'd just be waiting for the next Cyberman to turn up. So I think maybe it's yeah. sort of not that it's always been there, but it's so overpowered, or in Classic Who definitely yeah. is so overpowered by 
the sci-fi yeah. side of it, I probably, think so. than... I think so. so. I hope so, or maybe not. I mean, it's hard to know. I it think. depends on, on the child and the time and the generation. Yeah. Um, some generations are more aware of some things than other generations were, I think. Mm. And you can certain things you can show these days that you never used to be able to. It's very Radio 4 this is now, isn't yeah. it? And Mary Whitehouse would be jumping up and down all over you. Well, that's Doctor Who is littered with Mary Whitehouse I wouldn't be, at all, I wouldn't yeah. be at all surprised. Yeah. Yes. Can't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Why do that? Yeah. So, alright then, so what is your view of <coughs> New Who then? New Who. It's like chalk and cheese. It is, uh, for me as well. It's completely different. Yeah. It really is completely different. Uh, I'm looking at it even musically. Well, I'm, I'm look, even musically, I'm looking at it musically, and it is completely different. Oh. And it's gone completely different again. There's three completely different, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, there's the early stuff, which was 1989, did you say 90? Uh, for when now? For Old Who. Old Who, when did it stop? Uh, 89. 89. And then you've got 2005. Till now. Oh, yeah, I suppose so up until now. But they are. It's like it, it, I don't think you can compare. The, the, the central character is called Doctor Who, and he's got a TARDIS. And the adversaries are still called the same things. They look a bit different mm-hmm. because they have to these days. Um, but on the whole, the stories are thicker. And richer. They're denser, I think, aren't they? That's the word I was looking for. Thicker and richer but, is dense. But do you think because of what we were just saying then about the format that it was in back then, whereas now it's, what, 45 minutes to it's an hour? 45 minutes, And the yeah. whole story is in that one yes. clump. Yeah. Whereas you could have a month and a half of every week for it to play out. But that, to me, when I was 11, wouldn't matter. It's, no, I suppose, yeah, yeah. It's monsters per minute. That uh, It wasn't story That's arc. It wasn't f- finishing the story. If all we had was Doctor Who MPM. fighting monsters. Yeah, <laughs> monsters per minute. <laughs> if all we had was Doctor Who fighting monsters for 25 minutes on a Saturday afternoon, I would have been overjoyed. Yeah. I really would, regardless of what the story was, mm. whether he was trying to save somebody or save a planet or save himself. Monsters. That's what, all I was interested in. Yeah. And it's I, the same now. Yeah. And I, th- I, I sort of try to back myself up on the podcast by saying I am a fan of classic Who. Yeah. And I don't think it's very rare the kind of viewer that I am because I'm of an age where I was born where it wasn't on. Right. So I, came, I was were, born yeah. in the gap Yes, of sort of it doesn't yeah. exist anymore really. Yeah. Mm. And I came to it before it came back. Right. So yeah. I am a classic Who fan. Yes. Born after oh, classic Who, before New Who started. Yeah. Okay. So everybody that I was in school with mm-hmm. hadn't got a clue. No. What it was yeah. that I liked as a child. Yeah. Until it came back, and then they had a reference of, uh, oh right, it's right. that, is it? Yeah. So. I am firmly. A fan of classic Who. I enjoy New Who. Yes. But I do have to separate them. Yeah, I think you have to separate them. I think it's, you know... It, I mean, it, it's all different. I suppose it's probably... It's not as different, I wouldn't say, as, like, Batman and Robin, of how Batman is now. 
because that is very I'm not in that that universe they are but that is yes. very a very obvious difference even to an outsider I'm talking about Kapow Batman yeah Clack yes you know yeah. and, and Heath Ledger and how yeah yeah well that's gone too far surely maybe maybe for better maybe for worse it's hard to <sighs> say isn't it really but I, I think <laughs> yeah too much backstory again family values afraid so mm. and yeah. I'd say but getting back to what I was going to say yeah as a classic Who fan of a sort of rarer kind, yeah, where it, I wasn't watching it at the time, so I've got no reference of what it was like at the time. Even yeah. though, as you probably know, I grew up with a lot of not a lot of modern media, I'd say. Whereas my viewing of things when I was growing up, yeah, was of a very 60s 70s yes thing yeah because as a kid i it was you know dad's army yes and the good life well and yeah. please sir and yeah. things like that so i sort of effectively had like my parents childhood well, uh, a lot of us do though a lot of us are shaped by our our parents liked i'm sorry <laughs> well, a lot of us are shaped no, by yeah, parents, yeah. like, or if you have older sisters or brothers, then you're shaped by them. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So it's because I, I don't know whether I'm a sort of not alone in that. I don't think so. Respect. I don't think so. Mm. No. 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 But even still, as a child, when I knew, when I heard that Doctor Who was coming back, yeah, I was excited. Right. I thought, well, there's, I've seen all the old ones now, yeah, mm. and I've rewatched and worn out all of those videos. Yeah, there's something new. Yeah. So what did you think? When you I, saw the first one. I watched it here. I remember watching it. Right. And I think it took me a couple of episodes to sort of for it to sink in that this is different. It was 2005, wasn't it? it wasn't earlier than that. No, it was 2005. So yeah, I was ten. Yeah. Wow. Later when that came out. Right. Really. <laughs> And I and I think pretty much instantly saw that there was something different. It was a lot more. What's like the not a polite way of putting it, but soapy. And I don't mean to say that in a sort of cheap, throwaway kind of way, but it it is the family value thing. I think it is a family value thing. The more it was, yeah, it's a soapy, more theatrical, um, yeah. But with a higher production value. So I, I tend to think that even though they didn't have a, a massive budget for New Who, mm-hmm. sort of they probably had the same amount of budget for as they did as Old Who, but just with the, the technology has changed so much that with that amount of money... I should imagine for the first few years they weren't going to gamble any money on it, were they? Well, it was dead and buried really, wasn't it? Yes. I think when Doctor Who finished... Yeah. The yeah. B- well, the BBC wanted to get rid of it. Yes, that's how, why it. How they convinced them to tick it back on again? Yeah, I don't know. And well done. You yeah, know, it's well, obviously there was life in it because yeah, because it had, with all due respect, it had sort of fizzled out a bit. Yeah, and I think everybody would agree with that. Yeah, even classic Who fans would agree that. Yeah, when Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. Came to the role. Yeah. It, it changed. Into something that was yeah. a bit, uh, a bit more of a thing that's a bit embarrassing to say you watch. Yes, 
Not, so that's a not nice that way it's of not good yeah. or not enjoyable. We've no. just done a Sylvester McCoy, and some of his stories are great. Yeah. I never rate them as sort of, oh, I'm going to watch that. No. But they're not on, you don't sit there watching thinking, oh, God, you know, no, why I, are we I, doing this? Uh, when Colin Baker, and mm. maybe I was too old for it then, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, I, I, I just wasn't bothered by it. No. Um, and whether it was because the stories were funny or maybe just almost become a parody of himself, it might be that. Yeah. Or maybe I was just into other stuff then. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So, now that we've rambled for however long it yeah. is, let's get on to the main thing that we're going to be talking about. Right. The music of Doctor Who. <sighs> You see, when it came back in 2005, what did you think of the treatment of the theme music? Are we talking the theme? The theme, not the themes, the main theme. I don't know, and I've oh. tried to sort of work out what it is. That, you know, I've been trying to work it out because I think it's interesting to to have it said Yes. For my thought to be pinned down. Yeah. So I'm not always thinking. Mm. It's very different. And it's obviously... It's going for... It's going down a road of... Movie feel. Yeah, but the whole thing feels... In television. Feels movie-ish, though, doesn't it? Yeah. The whole thing does. What with all the backstory and locations and filming and quality. It is movie-ish. But I think in my head, Doctor Who has a certain, or at that time anyway, before it came back, in my head, Doctor Who had a certain aesthetic, audibly and yes. visually, that is what Doctor Who is in my head. Well, yes. It's synthy and it's a bit. sparse. Yes, and not. Very thematic. Or not thematic. Some of it wasn't thematic at all. No. Some of it just wasn't thematic. No. I'll say it again. Most of it wasn't thematic. Mm. I mean, there were no themes. Yeah. How how many different ways can I say this? Um, (laughs) No, but I think when it came back with the production values and the people on board, the writers and the composer especially, mm. then you can't escape themes and like motifs. Well, this this comes to a great... So Murray Gold... Yes. ...is responsible for the New Who music the sound, up until Jodie Whittaker. The sound of New Who. Yes. Yes. And for me, my yeah. one gripe, yeah. the, or sort of the biggest thing for me that I can't really... Get on board with, yeah. Is that I will tell you when to cry. I will tell Ooh. you. I will tell you what to feel. Yeah, but that's what music does. Yes, I agree. But it seems it feels for me sometimes that it is done because the story can't quite convey that. Do you know? Do you get what I'm saying? I. But then again, there's a lot I, of films that do that. Because yes. it is there for it's there to heighten whatever is on it, screen. It, it just it? heightens the obvious. So you could do it without the music. Yes, and it would still stand up. Yeah, and the music just heightens it without you knowing it. 
But I will say, Murray Gold, whether it's just because you get used to his style and used to what to expect from mm-hmm. who, yeah, you pick up on what he's doing a lot more. But doesn't that make it a better part of... It's It cements it in exactly. the programme, doesn't it? If you know what he's going to do, then it will just bring you into the whatever episode you're watching even more than... I'm not going to say random sound effects, but it random does sound effects. It does add to it. But if you listen to Malcolm Clark, yes, uh, did that drag you into the episode? See, this is the thing as well. Uh, if I do a bit of backstory, yeah, when I was God about five, maybe, yeah. I had the DVD that is here, I'm not going to find it, of Logopolis. Right. Tom Baker's story. Yeah. And on the special features on the DVD, yeah. there was a little thing, a little sort of 10, 15 minute thing mm-hmm. of Peter Howell, yeah. who did the music, uh, did the Tom Baker later mm-hmm. theme tune and a lot of the scores for that. And it's a little documentary thing of him writing the theme tune right. at the time. Yeah. And he's got a CS80, yeah. and he's got an Arp Wee. Odyssey, okay. and a huge mixing console, radiophonic workshop yeah. thing. And as a child, I think I probably wet myself yeah. many times, because I would have been having piano lessons by then. Yes, definitely. all that stuff. Yeah. And on yeah. my Clavinova, yeah. there was E-Piano 1, which <laughs> sort of sounded a bit yeah. synthy if I, you know... And mm. my my tiny mind at that time was blown. Yes. By weird noises, so yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved all of that stuff. There's weird noises that add to the action or just make things weird. Yeah. Or there's a big lush dramatic orchestral arrangement mm. of what's going on on the screen. Now, if you were to put Murray Gold's music on Old Who. And say, Tristram Carey. Oh, there's a name from the past. Take his stuff Mm. and put it on New Who, and it just would not work. No. Because Murray Gold's stuff is too lush for Old Who, and anyone else who was writing for Who at the time is too sparse for New. I will say. Recently, there's been some trailers that have come out on YouTube for when they're going to do a DVD yeah. or Blu-ray release yeah. where they use modern scores yeah. over the top of the footage of the old stories. Yeah. And it does add something. It adds too much music, probably. It's hard to know, isn't it, I think? because it... I, I can't see John Pertwee running about the country in a velvet jacket to Murray Gold's music. No. I, you can't. You, you're stuck. You are firmly in the late 60s, early 70s with... Uh, I'm trying to remember the names. Dudley Simpson. You're stuck with them. And yeah. they are an integral part of it. And a lot... Dudley... Dudders. Dudley. D- Good old D. <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we compress that anymore? Yeah, Dudley, D- Dudders, Dud, D. Um had a huge body of work in Doctor Who. Loads and loads and loads. From, he is the sound of it. Yes. I he think really anybody is. of that 
uh, when they think of Doctor Who, yeah. especially the Tom Baker side yeah, of Doctor Who, well, yes. which is what it is, yeah. Dudley is there for the most part. Of yes. It, you know, from yeah. William Hartnell, sparsely, yeah. Troughton, yeah. Pertwee, Baker, he, he's, he's there. He's the sound of Doctor Who. And to be fair, it's incredible how much he's, how much content he put out. No oh, loads. I considering agree. he was doing other things, it wasn't just yeah. his main. No, he was a proper gig, proper heavy duty musician. Yeah, yeah really, really top line stuff. Well, I um, when I did the theme tune for this bonus episode, mm-hmm. my original plan was to take some Dudley things. And rework them to sort of fit together. Right. So I had a look at the a Seeds of Death um, theme that he did for yeah. Doctor Who, and the Master theme. Like he's got a little theme for that. And I sort of tried to work them through. And there's some really strange but interesting stuff there. A lot of whole Tony. Yeah. Weird it's a stuff. very different style, isn't it? it but he, he was the most the more tonal of the main three. Yes. I mean, you've got him, who's fairly total and fairly regular in his time signatures. Yes. There's no weird time signature for him. No. But he doesn't... There's not a lot of... This is what I was going to say. I knew there was something in my head. Mickey Mousing. Mickey Mousing. Yes. That is what New Who does a lot for me. Uh, That's what... Not so much of sort of, there's a punch and then you get an orchestral stab. Uh, But it's more or less. Yeah, but it's punching out where... Yeah. Those... It's accentuating... It is accentuating the action, but that's what modern music does. Yeah. It is just... It's just... It's it's either Mickey Mousing the actions or it's emotional engineering. Mm. Um, But that's what... That's what film music does. But there is... I don't think there's a lot of that, is there, in... The earlier, there's none of it. There can't be. No, um, that's the, the stuff I've listened to this morning uh, in my uh, ex- extensive research. It shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no, there's no Mickey Mouse thing at all, as far as I can see. The Malcolm Clark stuff is just downright weird, mm. um, but it it fitted in. It fitted it, in. That's the thing, isn't it? If you listen to it isolated, yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll get it up on YouTube and. We can play this in whilst... Yeah. So the Sea Devils is the main one, isn't it? The Sea Devils is the one I listen to. Um, And it's as weird as the Sea Devils. But it fits in. It fits in for the time. Hmm. I'm going to find that now. Okay. And it is just a collection of noise. Yep. But if you listen to that, and then listen to John Carpenter, exactly that that could be John Carpenter. Um, whether or not he was influenced by it, I don't know. Probably not. But this was done years before John Carpenter. It sounds the same. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes, and it's interesting. It's interesting. It's not music as such. No. It's a sound, it, it's a collage that adds to it. Um, and it works. Yes. And it's it's perfect for the time and the year and the episode. It's, yeah, it's a world-building thing, isn't it, I think, with that sort of yeah. music where it, it, 
fills it. They can't see yeah. what I'm doing with my yeah. hands. Yeah. But but it, 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 if it's atmosphere it's rather at, than it's atmosphere rather than music. Yeah. Um, and if you look at say let's say video games these days, if you were let's say going after zombies hmm. on your PlayStation. Yeah. And that was playing in the background. It wouldn't look out of place at all. No. But if you had Murray Gold going dun 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 dun, dun, it wouldn't work. But if you have that as you're trying to find your way around an abandoned house while monsters jump out at you, that's perfect for it. Yeah, and it's it's years old. Yeah, so it was good then. It's good now in its place. Yeah. So, you said at the start of our little interview here, yes, that the main thing you remembered from Doctor Who, yeah. Is the music? It's always the music. So what it is? What what is what is it specifically that you've got a memory of? Is it the theme tune, it's which only, we'll get onto? It's only the theme tune. Which only is, the theme tune, which is why I had to look at everything. Well, when I was watching it, I wasn't. <sighs> yeah, I was. Let, let's see. When I was watching it, it was ninety percent monsters. All I want to see was monsters. All I want to see now is monsters. Monsters let's per minute. It. Monsters per MPM. Um, that's all I want to see now. But the music. Because of its just weirdness, did add to that, and mm. hiding behind your hands you couldn't isolate your ears from the music. So you always knew what was there was something weird on because you could hear it. See, I've said I think I have said this in the podcast. I keep saying I've said this in the podcast, but I've said it before. Yeah, I'll say it again. Yep. The music seems to work better when you don't notice it. That's what movie music's all about. You shouldn't really be. Where it, overwhelmed by it which is the problem I have with New Who that as soon as I start to hear it yeah it's so high in the mix as well but is that because you're listening to it we're, we're sitting I'm looking I'm like yeah we're sitting here now surrounded by keyboard instruments and guitars yeah and just you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to realise that the first thing you're going to go for is yeah. the sound and I don't think mind you the only there's Miss Pierce, mm. and the first thing she goes for is the music. Um, but I don't think many people do. I think many people are going these days, not just, just for the MPM, but also the story. Yeah, I, to the be relationships. fair, I've never really looked at it that way because Luke picks up on things because he's studying film yeah. in uh, Salford University. Oh, well. So when he's watching, yeah. he instantly picks up on lenses yes and things that i have yeah. no idea that i would never notice no i can say look very dark in this one isn't it yeah. or very gray yeah. no. whereas he he will know oh they used a isotopic lens there, yeah. and, it was, yeah. and I, I have no idea what that means no. so maybe it is that you, you i'm looking at it from that corner that is the first thing that you'll hear and you'll probably hear it before you see it so let's go on then yes, go on i don't think it's very high up in the mix no? No. Well, if, if you listen to what you've just played then, the Sea Devils, that's just Oh, yeah, deafening. well, to be fair, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's all you can hear. Subtitles for Pertwee yeah. speaking. Basically, yeah. it, it's it's there. It's very intrusive. But then it works. And there's a lot less of it. It's more sparse, isn't it? It is sparse. It's just the odd stab of something here and there. I had to listen to an interview with Mark Ayres... Do you know mm -hmm. the name Mark Ayres? It rings a bell, but uh, I probably... He did some music for Doctor Who in the late 80s. Right. So he did Curse of Fenric, Ghostlight, and 
uh, greatest show in the galaxy. I don't know whether to be impressed or sad. A bit of both. Yeah. Half six of one, half yeah. of the other. Um, but he also does all the sound restoration for Ooh. the DVDs. Right. Okay. So when all of the old ones get re-released, he doctors them a little yeah. bit. And there's an interview with him that he was talking about Dudley Simpson. Right. And from what he said, you were only allowed to have 12 minutes, I'm sure it was 12 minutes, of music per episode. Good grief. Or the union would stamp down on you. Oh. Back when Dudley was doing it. Right. When he was doing it, it was different because it was just yeah. him. Yes. You know, it wasn't... Yeah. Whereas he's had to hire... Well, Dudley stuff is a small contained little orchestra of people isn't it so you've got the main couple of strings yes a trumpet a few if, percussionists if, you, if you're lucky yes. yeah so yeah. it's you know a very sparse yeah this is sort of what you would get yeah you know if they took an orchestra to a school that's what you'd have you'd yeah. just get the main yeah you know not a couple even of a, first violins not, and, not even a chamber orchestra no. you just have like a, a yeah. couple of yeah players so i find it Nowadays, New Who, there's a lot of music. There's tons of music. Tons and tons of it. It starts and keeps on going. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard to get away from. And I think I suffer with the problem that once I've heard it, I can't get rid of it. Once you notice it. Yeah. Yes. I think it's anything. Like, even if you look at an actor, if you pick up on a tick that they have. Yeah. Yeah. You can't unsee no. it then. It just yeah. Well, it's like tinnitus. We both we both have it. Both suffer, and usually it doesn't bother you until you start thinking tinnitus. Now I can hear it. I've just said it. Yeah. I've got this horrible whine. So once you've once you realise it's there, then it's very difficult to get away from. But mm. it adds to the whole thing because it's, of yeah. the because of the lushness of everything. And mm. the budget and the way it's filmed and everything, then it needs that sort of treatment with the music. You can't get away without it, I don't think. No, because a lot, I think a lot, especially films now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, massive, full. huge studio orchestras, and they just keep you going. You know, it's, it's relentless. It starts and it finishes at the end. Mm. And it's very rare to hear films without it. And I'd much rather hear a film without any music and just use music where it is necessary. Well, I, I've always I've I've been looking for a while, even as a as a kid. When I bought my when I bought yeah when for Christmas yeah I had my first synth, which yeah. is that one there. Yeah, oh, that's good, isn't it? And yeah. um, I hunted and hunted and hunted for classic Who episodes. Yeah, with the music taken out. Yeah, thinking oh, wow, yes, this will be great. I'll yeah. be able to do yeah. I could be Dudley yeah. and. Um, but it doesn't exist because it's on. It's stuck it's to stuck the original. On, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll There's very few that have got isolated scores mm. that have been released because mm. it's just stuck to the to the dialogue yes. tracks. Yeah, you've had it. So, which is a shame, really, because I would have liked to have had an experiment. Yeah, we're taking old who and putting things. You know, trying playing strings over it and seeing if it works like that, and maybe Which taking is, some. Yeah, and, and and why not? But for the the whole big orchestra treatment, you can't do it with the early ones. I don't think so. Do you think that's a production thing as well? Because obviously, even as a fan, I can say that Old Who doesn't have the greatest production values. No, it doesn't. But it had good production values for the era. 
Yes. I think for the era, it was great. There wasn't anything else on TV to rival it. No. And once you'd got over the thwack of the main theme, mm. that was unlike anything else you'd ever heard. I mean, it wasn't like harmonica, like uh, Coronation Street or whatever it was. It was something completely different. Yeah. And once you got over that, then anything else was a bonus, really. Um, and again, monsters per minute. Yeah. That's what I was after. Keep I mean, them deaths up. Yeah, I, I I wasn't too bothered about what music they came on to. All I wanted was to find out which monster was next. Who's going to die now? How it would end. Yeah. There'd be a cliffhanger at the end, usually. Um, and that was it. A terrifyingly loud scream of the theme uh, coming back uh, in. Yes. So let's, yep. let's go for the theme then. What's your earliest memory of the theme or which sort of variation of it is the one that you remember so there's there's three really yeah now you're assuming that I was just analysing the theme when I was 11 yes of course I was Um, all the manuscript paper I used copying it down Um, (laughs) to me it was just the theme yeah. You could have played me the theme from 1963 uh, all the way through to, I don't know, Tom Baker, and I would have thought, oh, maybe it's a bit different. Mm. But on the whole, it was a herald of the start of Saturday night. So for you, is the theme the melody, or is it the... It's the beat. Is it the timbre? It's the beat. It's It's that, that relentless... Um, yeah, it, it, it was the beat. The sense that something is going to happen. Mm. And it's, it's the same thing that gets me now, which is why I started playing drums. It was always the beat that got it. And if you look at it, diddly-dum, 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 that was just that relentless beat of something about to happen. Mm. And it's the same with sort of like Mars from the planets. It's the beat that yep. gets you. And that beat will lead you in. Um, the, the theme itself, the music that went along with it, I wasn't too bothered about. What I did like was the middle eight. The, the da, middle da, 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 da. that's proper heroic stuff. Oh, it's yeah, and that goes. It's a hero theme. Yeah, and if you look at good music, um, program music, music that has a story going to it, take <sighs> Don Juan mm-hmm. by Strauss. That's it's got a proper hero theme in it. It's got a love theme in it. It's nice, but on the whole, it's the hero theme. That middle bit, and from what I can see from my extensive research, thirty minutes this morning. <laughs> They seem to have dropped that. It's it did disappear for a while. I don't know whether it's back. It isn't in now. I don't think because well, that was always at the end yes, theme. The, the extended. The, yeah, it was a proper triumphant thing, mm. um, and it seemed to be in a not different key, but a different. Was it major? Was the whole thing in a minor key? It's it. The original is in E minor. It, isn't it? it sounds like it's in E minor, and then it then later on it moves to F sharp minor for the theme. Yeah. Like they transpose the whole key yes. for different versions of it. Yeah. So what we're yeah. talking F, if the normal one everybody probably knows is in F sharp minor. I think the middle eight is A. It's a, it's lovely. So we're going to relative major, yeah. aren't we? Is it, yeah, if you say so. I'm, I I should be able to work relative it out, minor, but I'm, I can't. Something like so that. Yeah, but, so yeah, and it was that's the bit I used to listen to. It was the beat that got me, and I wasn't bothered about what was happening until that bit. I thought that was the best bit. Yeah. So, well, let's. Uh, for the time that you would have been listening then, the theme would have been Delia Derbyshire. And Dick Mills. Correct. Thank you. And Daphne Oram. Yes. And Tristan Carey. BBC yeah. Radiophonic Workshop. And uh, who's the. Um, Peter. 
Russian name. Bur, bur no, yeah. Ivan Nasiev. Um, yeah. Peter I can't Orovich, remember. something at I the end, isn't I it? I can't I remember. I can't think. Yes, yeah. They did the the BCS3, you know. Yeah. I didn't know that. But in his shed. The, like, in shed. Have you seen? There's a there's a lot of stuff on YouTube about this sort of I, I haven't music I haven't concrete got... radiophonic yeah. stuff. Yeah, the... like Tristan Carey has got a shed at the bottom of his garden <laughs> or had. Yeah, with a wall, you know, ten foot high, twenty foot wide, <sighs> of just of huge course. oscillators with massive cables plugging in it's a f- and a bit of manuscript paper. Yeah. And he, he, they turn up with the, the VCS3 yeah. or the Synthy 100. Yeah. And then you get Pink Floyd. It's unbelievable. It's... And, well, they, I know that Behringer are yeah. re-releasing the VCS3. Are they? Yeah, which is very exciting. Oh, that'd be nice. And Behringer are doing everything really cheap at the minute, yeah. ripping off. They're doing the VCS3. Which... God, that'd be good. I think it'd look nice by there, yeah, wouldn't I, it? You I know, think uh, there's a little spot there. There is a little spot somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I I've always loved that. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, no, but I've always liked that synth. Yeah, stuff. Uh, it, it is nice. Or electro. Yeah. Not so much synth because it isn't a synth, is it? Really? No, it's an electronic instrument. It is. Yes. Yeah, but it made a nice sound. It did. So what? It, on the radiophonic workshop in general, then. Yeah. Because you probably remember when I was a pupil of yours. Yeah. There was probably a period where I was obsessed with this sort of stuff. The radiophonic. Because in the half hour to an hour I would spend at your house, all you'd be interested in is the piano at the time. That's probably... Which is why you're such a good student. Well, I think we'll end it there then. Yeah, there we are. Thank you very much. And there we go. So thanks for... Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my check in the post. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um... Yeah. Yeah. What were we talking about? The theme? Yeah, the theme tune. Radiophonic Workshop, specifically. It was it was the beat. The beat in the middle eight. Yeah. And I think the, the theme at that time, maybe not so much now because it's orchestrated, unless you think it's sort of melody-wise, sounds like nothing else. It did sound like nothing else. Because it, it was like nothing else. It is completely alien. Yeah, because you had a bunch of eccentric boffins in a room who had the time to cut up bits of tape. Who couldn't be bothered. And use a six or seven reel-to-reel, starting them all off at the same time. Everybody, three, their fingers crossed. two, one. How on oh. earth do you come up with that? Yeah. That is unbelievable. And when you think of all of the things that that original theme is made up of, so the, the dug-a-da-dun, dug-a-da-dun, dug-a-da-dun is a plucked string... Yes. Cut up into that rhythm yes. and stitched yes. together. Yeah. Then under that, there is an oscillator going. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good listen. Uh, and they've got that hiss, which is sort of a hiss loop. Yeah. That goes around, which isn't really in time with the beat. No. Uh, but it, it weirdly, uh, it sounds like someone breathing. If you listen to it, it's it does very sound haunting. like someone breathing underneath that. So you've got that diddly dum do, and you've got something breathing in and out underneath. And it's just slightly out of phase, which is really strange. It's yeah. up until then, when it was sixties, beat music was in the sixties. You would have assumed that the theme tune might down exactly yes. Yeah. It was something like that. Barry Gray. Yeah. We were just talking. We had a little break. Yes. You would you would have thought. 
you would have like had that. a Barry Gray. Yeah, a big funky orchestra. Yeah, oh, yeah. A bit of psychedelia, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. But they out psychedelic the psychedelic people. Yeah. They were psychedelic before. Uh, and they didn't seem to have got any recognition for it. I think still most people are completely unaware of the Radiophonic Workshop because probably at that point it wasn't so much that they did the music for Doctor Who, they did the theme yeah. and the sound effects. And, and the sound effects, the, the enhancing stuff. Yeah, yes. you know, the yeah. lasers and the yes. noises, you know. Yeah. So I think they've sort of gone unnoticed, sort of under the radar of what people think of as Doctor Who. And for me, that has always been a thing of what Doctor Who is. Yeah, that's because of your ear. Yeah. You've always had a good ear. Maybe, yeah. So, yeah, so you, you would be listening for that. And we were all listening for that. I'd all added to it. Um, yeah, but again, I see for me, it's the monsters. All I want to do is look at monsters and go, monsters per minute. With, with, monsters with, per minute. With, with a stab of something yeah. as, as one turned up. Um, but for me, mainly, and I think for most other people, it would be the theme that led you in. Yeah. And it would be that early 70s theme, which was sparse in its treatment. So you could hear everything that was going on. There wasn't much going on, but you could hear yeah. it. But, yeah, that's the, yeah. Because really, what is there probably. What are we talking at the time? Radiophonic Workshop probably would have had what a four track machine, eight track machine. Uh, no, probably not even that. So not even that. What's you know, it, it's it, not it's... as if they've got thirty eight channels of no. stuff and they're all thinking, well, we can't have that hiss and that's a bit loud. And yeah. da, 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 you no. know, you've got what you've got. Yes. And yeah. you know, obviously they're doing a lot of bouncing to tape to get more things yeah, in there. But yeah. once that's happened. You're stuck with whatever. Yeah, if that, if you've it. done that bass and there's something on there that's not yeah. quite right. Yeah. You've done it now. Yeah. You know, you've done it now, Delia. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think a sparse treatment is better on it. Yeah. Uh, more is often less. Well, let's compare that then on what you know of the classic theme or remember yeah. of the classic theme themes to what is current <sighs> or, you know, uh, at least from 2005. You've got to admire Murray Gold's theme. It's not his theme. It's always Delia Derbyshire's theme. Well, it's always Ron Grainer's. It's always Ron Grainer's yeah. theme. Yeah. Um, Step to, when you th- and when you think Ron about Grainer. it, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see what the theme is actually like because from it's on record. It does of, exist apparently. Oh, does it? It's on a piece of paper somewhere. Because from no what one's seen it, Ron Grainer has said when he heard the theme. Yeah. He said, "Did I write that?" Uh, yeah. So I think Delia has had a lot to do with how the theme tune. Ended up. Yes, yeah. Left up to Ron Grainer, it would be an orchestra. That well, did you think it. about what he, because he did Step to One Son, didn't he? I, I think he's done a whole bunch of stuff. All a lot of that. 70s, Again, he's 60s. another heavyweight musician and a, a classical musician, so he wouldn't have even thought of radiophonic stuff. No, he would have been firmly strings yeah. and brass. Um, so, so he, maybe more what Murray Gold. If we're assuming. What he wrote down was dun dun that. <laughs> but it's hard to know. Is that was it that triplety uh, thing? Who's, who's going to know? Yeah, we, you, you're never going to know until someone unearths that piece of paper you wrote it down on. Yeah, um, and you compare that to the treatment that she did. It's it would be interesting to find out. Uh, yeah, it, it really would be really be. interesting yeah. to find out actually. But saying that, I mean, I like the sparseness of it. Yeah, because sometimes, like I said, less is more, and. You can hear everything. There's not much happening, which is is good. When you've got a huge, lush orchestral arrangement of it, 
It doesn't always work. However, I would have done exactly the same thing that he's done, though. I've got to admit. He's got that under theme going on, hasn't he? Yeah. That string. That doesn't have add to it. It really does. I think if that wasn't there, you could leave it. I don't no, think that, it would. That's, that's a, a masterstroke. And I it's think. still there, I think. I think that's the thing that sort of carried. I listened to the latest incarnation of it and they've just ruined it. It's Sagan Akinola. Sagan Akinola. Uh, who gave him the job? <laughs> uh, because it's, it's very different to what Murray Gold's been doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. But why? Knew who, mm-hmm. right? Going up to in my extensive research, series ten. Is it series ten? Yes, ten. Okay, because Sagan Akinola did eleven and twelve. Yes, right. And after ten, they seem to chuck out the baby with the bathwater. Well, yeah. So when um, Stephen Moffat left, yes, the showrunner at the time, yeah, they had to get a new showrunner in, and with that. Came a new era, let's say. But why, why get a new? I mean, if you've got to get a new showrunner, why not get just a new a new showrunner for an old show? Why not get? Why get a new show a showrunner who wants a new show? But basically, they've just. I'm not going to say anything about the show. Let's stick. <laughs> let's stick with the music. Let's stick with the music. Yeah, I, I think it is very aware. People's thoughts on where Doctor Who is now and it is very polarised and online rightly or wrongly so it is very (laughs) I'm not saying anything (laughs) it is very polarised and you can see why it is very polarised for the choices they've made even just the music I'm I'm not going to say anything about the the characters I'm not going to say anything about uh, let's not say anything However, Peter Capaldi was fantastic. I've got to, yeah, I've got to admit. <sighs> Have you seen? Um, I'm very poorly treated by everybody at the time. Seriously, was, yeah. Peter Capaldi was fantastic. Brilliant. Have you seen him in that uh, music video, Lewis Capaldi? Oh yeah, are they related or something? Yeah, they are. Well, well, they've got the same surname, which is, which is why he agreed to be in the video at the first time. Oh. It's, it's like three minutes of acting masterclass. Anyway, enough of that. Murray Gold. Yes. His treatment of the theme was good. Yes. It was lush, it was big, it was, but it worked. Primarily because that string thing that's going underneath. Is it called the chase theme? Maybe. I think it might be. It might be. That might be a few brownie points. I, th- I, think, I think it might be. I don't know. Which works. Now then, you go to series 11 and 12, mm. and you look at what they've done with it. And the main melody of the theme... Because it's not all rhythm, you've got a melody, haven't you? Yes. When you've got a melody going, you, ideally you want to keep the same instrument playing all the same notes. <laughs> what happens to it? There's four or five notes on one instrument, and then at the end of the phrase it goes to another instrument. It's... <sighs> Is that just me? Is that my ears? Is my tinnitus just masking out the stuff that... Do you know what? Sometimes I have to ask myself that. Yeah. That Because I, I've noticed that with recording the podcast... I edit stuff yeah. with headphones on. Yeah. And then I crank all the high end up because mm-hmm. to me it's that yeah. when I'm listening to it. Yeah. I crank the high end up and then go away, yeah. come back the next day, and it's 
unbearable. Like, yes. And I, th- I sometimes think that maybe I'm listening to the programme and I'm yeah. hearing something that so isn't I, there. I, this is what I thought. And so I listened to it three or four times. No. I mean, if, if you've got a theme going, yeah. keep the timbre. Keep the instrumentation solid throughout the theme. If you want to do something else with like the middle eight, yeah, fine. But if you've got a melody going, keep the same instrument playing the melody. This, the instrument center, it, it drops out. Mm. And you end up with like three or four notes on one. And then a, yeah, it's as if he's picked something knowing that it hasn't got the register to be able to get there. And he's, he's so, sort of, well, you can only go halfway. Yeah. So once your flute's yeah. dropped out, your piccolo yeah. will have to. Yeah, let, let's go low. Yeah. Let's have a tuba playing the rest of this. Ooh. Yeah. But why? It, it doesn't work. No. And it's just not right. It's up and down, it's all over the place. See, a lot of people rate this, the current theme tune. As, really? Yeah, as sort of being a return to maybe what they'd thought Doctor Who would have been like. Because Seriously? it's sort of more... I'm trying to think. It's less, it's less of an obvious choice. Let's say that. The theme or... The, the theme. The, the composer. Say, the theme more it's different but you are sacrificing the theme you are because you you, it's got thematic material in the theme tune that has existed for however long 60 years 60 odd years 50 odd years yeah and and it is still there but all i'm all i'm complaining about is the fact that the instrumentation is just seems he seems to go with one instrument and then he replaces maybe the last two or three notes. Give off. Yeah, yeah, and you, you lose it. Just keep the instrument going. If you start on whatever piccolo, violin, or anything, then just keep that going. Mm. You don't replace like the piccolo with like a tuba, or halfway halfway through, and it, it comes and goes. So there's no. <sighs> There's no thematic continuation of the theme. Mm. There's no... Thematic continuity. Yeah, it doesn't... When the melody comes and goes, no, you lose it. It's just not all about rhythm. Yeah. I think a simpler treatment would have been better. Yeah. But I have my views on why that was done. And until they give us a ring... Yeah, uh, and that but, will lead me to my final question to you, actually. Yeah. But we'll we'll get to that. Well, yeah, but I was just going to complain about the whole treatment of the incidental music in series eleven and twelve as well. Well, that's what we we'll talk about the incidental music more, I think, now. So that's the theme bashed. Um, yeah. So incidental music. Yes. I th- probably, I have I do give Murray Gold a hard time. <sighs> But, he knows his stuff. Well, this is what I'm thinking. I'm not going to compare myself, right? But you will know, as from what it used to be like mm-hmm. in gigs, yeah. where I would take a few things with me. Yeah. I think that's clear, isn't it? Rather than just taking what you need. That's why you bought a van. That's why I bought a van. Yes. Um, you know, my mentality was, if less is more, think how much more would be. Yes. And I don't know whether Murray Gold has been given orchestral blank manuscript and seen all of those staves and thought, well, I could they're there. <sighs> and I think because because the theme is so big, 
and it's very brash and yeah. here's the new Doctor Who, this is what it's all about. The incidental music has got to be equally I think, big. I think, yes, if you've got a vision for Doctor Who that you want and you happen to know a composer hmm. who you know is good... And but you he think- can definitely do his job. And not I, I want I, I want to sort of state for the record, yeah, that whenever I am having a go at Murray Gold's music, yeah. it's in the context of what it, what it's doing, which is but, well, like enhancing the action. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> doing a good job, making yeah. make it sound better. What I, what, no, what I'm getting at is they should call me. <laughs> just give me a go uh, but no yeah, I don't think you can criticise no you can't you could criticise if it was against William Hartnell do you know what I think and this is another point that I heard somebody else say that you can't criticise the composer no you can only criticise the showrunner because that is the, the composer's client and he is doing what the showrunner wants them to do. I don't think so. I don't think that Murray Gold would have done what he was told to do. I think he does what he does, which is why he was hired. Mm. Yeah, he's unlike someone else who might be connected to the show and is responsible for the music. <laughs> Murray Gold has a musical pedigree. Yes. He, uh, although I will say, I don't know a lot about him. And I haven't, I haven't researched it really. But to me, mm-hmm. he sounds like a guitar player. Uh, is that an insult? It's not. <laughs> Ooh, your guitar Turn player. Turn it down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many flats in E flat? Um, no, he. I don't know what it is, but it gives off a vibe that he writes the way. A guitar player would write. Really? I never yeah. thought of that. I think he writes the way a piano player hears it. The because only... it's so layered. See, I think of it more as it's layered, but there's a whole bunch of orchestration that's playing some chords, and then there's a little bit of it that are <gasps> oh, melody. Yeah, there doesn't but... seem to be a lot of oh, no, I contrapuntal. Think oh, I think there is. I think it's it's I oh it's hard yeah I don't think you can criticize I think his treatment uh, themes like motifs he's got those as well he ha- and they yeah. run through it and he's able to weave them in and out he is and he can weave them in and out over a space of years oh yeah you hear that like things like um it's so good I've forgotten it uh, Rose's theme yes the that's lovely who you yeah it's very nice yeah, and the Doctor's theme. Mm. Which is done. I can't remember it. I knew it this morning. <laughs> Instantly rememberable, isn't it? Yeah, um, but it's got the themes. Yeah, and I think that's important. Well, it has been important for years. Yeah, so he can enhance it with those. Well, yeah, you know, but, a lot of people give him give a hard time because of those themes that keep popping or rearing their heads. But you think back, um, Dudley Simpson had the master thing that uh, nobody's going to hear this but it'll be worth thing yeah for whenever you saw yes. the master the yeah. da, da, da. um but more of a motif than a theme well, motif all right well <laughs> yeah so i don't think you can criticize murray gold 
I don't think he's done what he's been told to do. I think he was brought in to do what he does. Because yes. he's... Well, I think the, that, yeah. It, he, it, it's theatrical and dramatic. He's got, he's got a wide musical palette to choose from. Well, I think from. that's the thing. If you... If, if, like, the Harry Potter production team... Yeah. They didn't pick John Williams because they, you know, they thought he might be able to do what they want. <sighs> they picked John Williams... Because, because he's, he's John, John Williams. Williams. Exactly. And that's why Murray Gold was chosen. Yeah. Because he was good at what he does. He had the sound that they wanted and they knew him. And he was, I should imagine he was given a blank canvas or a blank sheet of manuscript and said, listen, there it is, off you go. Mm. Mind you, if he's a guitar player, he won't know what manuscript is. No. He'd be, he'd be... <laughs> In tab. <laughs> a whole row of violins <laughs> trying to work out what one, two, three, four. Oh, no, not F7. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. You can't... You, I'm going to say it again a third time, you can't criticise him. No. He's taken Doctor Who music and just lobbed it straight into the goal. He's, yeah. I, uh, it does fit perfectly with what New Who is. And it fits perfectly into what people want. Yes. Because it's in the classic FM Top 100, you know. Is it? Yeah. And the Royal Albert Hall Doctor Who concerts. Oh, yeah. That, staggering. That is keeping the proms. Oh, or was. fantastic. Or do they still do that? Um, they do... Is it every now and again? I think it's just every now and again. They did a Sherlock one two or three years ago. I Ooh. tried to get a ticket for it, but um, they're all sold out within like 15 seconds or something. Mm. It's good music. It really is. Yeah. And it's... it's it, it, there's hardly any Mickey Mousing. There's themes, it was lush. It's nice stuff. And I will say, not to sound like... It'll come across with the way I'm going to say it anyway... It introduces a new generation to orchestral music. It does. You're right. I never thought of that. And Unless they like me, and all they want is monsters per minute. Yeah, whether yeah whether they are conscious of yeah. Oh, I like that bassoon. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it, it it is well. It's obviously doing its job because whenever you see clips of the Doctor Who at the proms, yeah, it is eight to ten year olds. Yes. Staring at amazement, a TARDIS on the screen, hearing the theme and hearing. I. But is that I, more? I it's dis- Doctor Who. I despair. That's more their parents, if you ask me. To make them cultured. I'm afraid so. Mm. The, you know. He's having piano lessons. Exactly. You know. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Tennis on a Monday, swimming yeah. on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh God. Oh God. <laughs> That was a genuine excuse. Um, <laughs> um, extra Latin. Well, no, extra Latin. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I don't think they're there for the music. No. There might, there might be a few sad little nine-year-olds there for the music with their musical scores, taking no notice of whatever, you know, Silurian is looming over them. Yeah. Um, get out of me light and trying to follow the modulations. <laughs> um, I think that's mainly the parents. They'll want to go. You're walking my eyeliner of <laughs> the conductor. <laughs> They'll want to see what's going on. They'll yep. want to know the action. They want to see the, the, the monsters are coming. And they want to hear the music because it'll remind them of Doctor Who. But I think that's um, mainly the parents who are dragging them along as a treat. 
Yeah. Because you've more or less got to live down there where the money is. and It's Doctor Who, and you can get away with saying you took your child exactly. to the office. Exactly. You've been to Royal Albert Hall, you know. Mm. Yeah. Standing so, at the mushrooms. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I You can't... It's the fourth time now. You can't criticise what he's done with it. He's made it more popular. Mm. He's added to it. He's added to the lushness of the of the treatment. So, that being said, yes. if we go back to classic Who... Oh, I was like, you're going to go forward then to new Who. New, new Who. Would you like to... Go, all right, well, oh. I tell you what. Let's go from Murray to no, new, let, new, and then dive back. Let's go back, first of all, because I can still remember that. All right, OK. What do you think of the incidental music back then? I know we've sort of touched on that, but I obviously was, there's there's a wealth of composers. I, I go with the time. main three. Yes. There's, uh, there's distinct eras, isn't there? So there's Tristan Carey's yeah. and your Dudley Simpson. Scary Carey. <laughs> and then you get Peter Howell in yeah. the 80s, yeah. you know, and a couple of others. And then you get your Kef McCulloch. Uh, who's Kef McCulloch? Oh, dear. Well, we'll get to that. Oh, OK. But... Um, so what is your view overall? And dip, feel free to dip in to specific... All I can dip in, again, trying to take my uh, my mind off the monsters, um, I'm firmly Dudley Simpson, I think, because it's a sound that you associate with 1970s Doctor Who. I agree. You can't get away from it. And if, it is, I think it's completely different it is to everything that is around at that time because i think especially in the 70s if you're going to do a score we've said his name before for a british sci-fi kind of thing yeah it's going to be barry gray it is and as godlike yes you know i've got ultimate respect for barry gray with yeah. his with his everything that he's done really yeah doctor who is a completely different beast and the music is Utterly different. But is that driven because of budgetary restraints? If you're going to hire Barry Gray to do a score for you, you've got to have him and the entire orchestra. You've got to have the studio space. Studio time's hideously expensive. Yeah, and I suppose if if it is true what Marquez said, I'm not sure, I haven't read it anywhere else about the 12-minute thing, but yeah. I would have thought it sort of makes sense. Yeah. Because judging by how sparse <laughs> the music is within that half hour, yes, there isn't more than 10 15 minutes of music. Maybe Probably. maybe he pushes it a little bit. Yeah, and, you know. But then again, it doesn't need it. No. If, if Doctor Who's running into the TARDIS, pursued by Daleks, you don't need extra running music. You don't need extra... You don't need extra running music to realise that he's running. You really don't. Yeah. You maybe need a stab when the Daleks come through. So, so you think, ooh, Daleks. So why do you think they do that do you think that is just a trope of modern it is. TV and film? It is. That everything it's, has it's to film. be accentuated. Everything has to be accentuated. And if you take some of the music out of modern films, I reckon it might even be better. Mm. When you can hear what's going on. We're so, do you think we're sort of brainwashed into thinking that you just we are, need it all the we time? We are brainwashed into thinking. I reckon the music music per minute, there's another NPM, yeah. uh, in modern films is far more than films from, say, the 70s, maybe the 60s, because they've got massive orchids, and that's what we expect now. We expect John, Huge, it's John Williams' fault. Well. John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith. Um, I, it's Mind you, if you take the, the, the Delia Davish's theme and you put it against anything yeah. that John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith come out with, I think, I think it's just as good. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, yeah, I think we've been bred now to expect massive orchestras, mm. huge orchestras, playing along with Star Trek. Yeah. Or anything. You have to have it. Yeah, it's just a part of what it is at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. It sort of goes with the aesthetic yeah. of yeah. CGI yeah. and all of that big yeah. production. But the, the, the saying that Hans Zimmer is taking us maybe out of the big orchestra treatment into more of a paddy, beaty type thing. When I say paddy, I mean the pads. Yeah. Yeah, just synth pads and chords. And there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. And if, if you listen to actually listen to Hans Zimmer, then it's not too far away from... Dudley Simpson. Well, Hans Zimmer did grow up over here, didn't he? I know. Oh, he, I don't know. That. I think he's. Is he German or Austrian? He's. Um, I don't know. Some. He's Eastern European. Isn't yeah. He? Oh, no, it was, Name like Hans Zimmer. You know, Hans Muck Zimmer. And because I'm sure he grew up, or his teenage really? years were over here, because he was involved with like Video Kill the Radio. He Star, was, wasn't, wasn't he? he? Yes. So I think he's yes. of a time. Hmm. Well, when did that come out? 1979 is Video Killer Radio Star, isn't it? Or 1980. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's of a time where Dudley was in was, his was, yes. power. Yeah. And he wouldn't have written oh. for TV and film at that time. So it's probably he would have... Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we're assuming. But well, you can see the synth orchestra I, I thing. See, I can see parallels, very faint parallels, between what, yeah. I've, what I've researched this morning. I keep but saying. Then, but then again, it's hard to know if Dudley Dudders... Dud D... Had the tech that we've got now. What would he do? Yeah. So yeah, like but you, could, you could say that about anyone, Beethoven, Mozart. That is true. You but it's, it'd be interesting to see like if, if Dudley took everything that's in my room now... Yeah. How much would he get on eBay? No, uh, what would he? <laughs> <laughs> how? What would if? It, and it was at the same time with the production being the same. Yeah. Would he come up with something that was different, or would it be the same thing but just textually different? It'd be the same thing. It's the way he thinks. Yeah. It's the way he thinks. Because I can't. Uh, Let's face it. I mean, at the time, he he probably had a choice of traditional instruments. Yeah, because there's sort of two periods of Dudley, which is the earlier side, which is very synthy and twiddly. Yeah. And then he goes into a sort of small chamber stuff. Which is really, yeah, which is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I heard some of that this morning. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, Yeah, that's all right. I I think he'd be doing the same. Yeah. So moving into the 80s of Doctor Who... No, it, you might as well ask me what I'm doing in the 80s in Crossroads. <laughs> um, because I it bypassed me completely. Mm. Um, I, purely because of the doctors themselves and the fact I'd probably be listening to God knows from Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer <laughs> or practising drums. Well, I'll tell you what then. This will be quite interesting. Right. I'll play you a piece of Kef McCulloch. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this is a piece of Kath McCulloch from the final season of Doctor Who. Oh. Okay. Okay. This is from Remembrance of the Daleks. Yeah.
Hey! <laughs> Had to be there somewhere. Wow. I like this. There's all stuff over there. That's good stuff. What was it about, like, marimbas and stuff? It's very yeah. sequenced, isn't it? Yeah. So, <clears throat> Kef McCulloch yeah. gets some <clears throat> whipping Why? for his music in Doctor Who. Why? Well, the showrunner at the time, Jonathan Turner, wanted the, wanted the music to become more poppy. Right. I think that's what he sort of said he wanted. Okay. Um, let me just play you the theme. Do they have showrunners, there? Well, it's the producer, okay. I think, at that time, whereas that now no. there is a, sort of, there's a there's, showrunner. There's a dedicated showrunner, isn't there? So, I don't know if you saw ever saw this theme. So this is Kef McCulloch's theme okay. tune for Doctor Who as well. light not dark enough just too light the pop thing doesn't work with the theme does it too toppy mm. you know keep your instrument maybe have one one in the treble yeah because everything... there's three things playing the theme there isn't there yeah you, yeah you need you need darkness and you need depth there's no thumb it's not just because we're on small speakers there's, there's just nothing there mm. wait well, it's, it's fine but the other stuff was i i, I enjoyed the other stuff it's it, all right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's hard to know, isn't it? Really, because I think mm. it's very different. It is to what came before it. Yeah, but it has really. to be. But if that is a choice, the show wants to go, and the composer at the time is just getting paid. It's just a letter in the post, isn't it? Of just cashing it in. I'm not saying that he is just cashing it in. No. <laughs> just sort of taking the money and. No, but would he? Is that the way it would go anyway? Probably. You got to think of the time that that is. You got to think of the times. Yeah, music not only goes with the times; sometimes it makes the times. Music moves. If the music doesn't move, we've had it. And I think all the composers—they all knew that. Yeah, Mozart when he was writing didn't expect his stuff to be listened to in two months' time. Um, it changes. And I think the thing is as well that maybe hurts the scores for later Doctor Who, sort of mid eighties onwards, is the whole digital synthesis thing because it's very thin whereas yeah. the early 80s stuff and maybe some of Dudley's stuff that synth stuff is all analog yes and it uh, yeah. not in, to get into the whole analog digital vinyl cd thing <laughs> it is a lot fuller sounding it is than yeah you know, it, it, it needs to be full yeah because it it needs to be dark it needs to be it just needs to reflect the danger. And you can't do that with the 80s synths. No. A DX7 does not scream uh, danger, no. does it? No. A Fairlight. Yeah. You, know. <laughs> you can't do it. It's got to be, like you say, I think it has to be analogue. Yeah. And it has to be dark and deep. 
and not entirely regular. There's no mysteriousness in the theme. No. I think that's the... No. And, and maybe in the score as well, there's not as much... It's too... It's too pretty. It's too pretty and it's too regular. Whereas, you know, I think Dudley does it quite a lot where some of his harmony is very clashy. And it is not in a sort of horrible way, in no. a purposeful way to add... It adds tension. Yes, tension and release. Whereas <laughs> if you're just going to go from yeah. F major to C sharp uh, major... You, it, yeah, it, it doesn't work. It's different. Yes. But yeah, but it's, it's the times. In yeah. the 1980s, that's what they were listening to. So I'll tell you what, now that you've said what uh, what they were listening to, yeah. I, let's go back to you. Yeah. It seems as you're a guest rather than, hey. you know. Yeah. You're our first guest, by the way. Hey. Um, what were you listening to in your childhood? Like I said earlier, we're all sometimes victims of our parents' musical I'm taste. I'm sure you were a victim. I was a victim of my parents' <laughs> musical taste. Um, Yamaha organ songbook. Oh, no, it wasn't even the Yamaha. It was a Honda. A Honda. Oh. Honda. So I'm just thinking. You haven't raving a Honda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> Who are you going to play? <laughs> it's a concert in D minor. What the hell? On a Honda Fifty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was subjected. No, well, no, it's not subjected to. You take what you can find around the house when you first started getting interested in music, and you play that. On your gramophone. So, okay. So, at what point did you develop your musical bent, as it were? I wasn't really that interested in music until uh, probably what years is it now? Year ten is what? Year six is what? Final year, isn't it? Then you got seven, eight, probably year nine. Yeah, nine and ten. And then I would have been influenced not by um, what do we have at home? South Pacific. Oh, Jim Reeves. Nice. Bit of Charles Aznavour, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I would have been influenced what my friends were listening to. Oh, my sister had a couple of albums as well. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's Mark Bolan and Bobby the Bay City Rollers. Yeah. No, I would have been influenced by the people I met in school and that would have been in almost entirely Pink Floyd mm. early Genesis and especially Emerson Lake and Palmer so let's for the for the listener what was your first instrument drums it was the first thing I even thought of there was a thing called Hogan's Heroes and that started off with drums mm. and I always thought yeah that's what I want to do so Lessons wise, yeah, or sort of, yeah, tutoring wise, yeah. I bought books. I learned to read drum charts and drum music. Mm-hmm. Bought a book by a man called Billy Mintz. Nice. Um, you can say that he was an American jazz drummer. Nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> jazz club. Who had a very very complicated notation, uh, but I learned it, and I could play that by sight. And then it was Buddy Rich, Snyder Rudiments, which I got all of. And then it was listening, mm. slowing down records. So, not I'm not, I'm trying my best to not say drummers and musicians, or you know when people say singers, oh, singers and musicians, yes. <laughs> musicians over there, singers over there. Yeah. Uh, so, at what point did 
melody in its normal sense. As in, you know, yes, you could tune your toms to fourths or whatever, you know. I used to tune mine to fourths. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, well, it's always done, the best way. Whole kit was done to fourths. Yeah. Um, melody, or sort of, yeah, tuned instruments come into your... Tuned instruments came into my... Repertoire. My, yeah... I must have been about 14 or 15 and bought a bass. There's a picture of me with hair. No. Seriously. I don't believe that. With hair. Maybe with you could find it for us so we could put it oh in the... Oh, God, sc- no. The, world, with the world's heaviest bass guitar. It was an enormously heavy thing with massive sustain. And I learned to play Jump to the Beat by Stacey Lattice-Law, which is a fantastic bass line. I learned to play that and various other things. Um, my ear was never very good. It took a long time to develop, and it's still not very good, but it's better than it was. So, yeah, melody came from bass melodies, first of all, mm. and then it progressed onto uh, guitar because I bought a guitar and I liked finger-picking arrangements of Gershwin songs and finger-picking styles of the blues. Mm. And the first melody I was able to pick out was Let Me Take You By The Gland and Lead You Through The Streets <laughs> Of London. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was nice. I was able to play the arrangement for that one as well. There's a lovely version of that by, oh, what's his name? Ralph McDill. Yes. Uh, at the Chas Hodges Memorial Oh, that'd be nice. Thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah because he, was, he was one of um, England's best finger pickers, mm. Ralph McDill. He's fantastic. And uh, Marty McCarthy. Oh, yeah. But I still think Ralph McDill is better. There's a, a Welsh bloke. I can't remember what his name is. Um, oh yes, yeah. You've yeah. We had to oh, discover God, this a while phenomenal. ago. Unbelievable. Um, there's there's a Dutch guy called I think Ton van Bergijk or something like that. There's there's some fantastic players. So yeah. So it was drums, bass, and then guitar. So what about the piano then? The, the organ was always in the background. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was always trying to watch the TV when it been played. <laughs> Um, so, I've got you, I've got a picture of your mother as sort of Terry Jones. Uh, uh, no, of... no, God, it was worse than that. Um, <laughs> you come home from school and there'd be someone playing. Who do you think you are kidding, Mister Hitler? <laughs> or novelty, novelty foxtrots. Oh, nice from the thirties. Um, kitten on the keys. Uh, up the whistler and his dog. Mm, slow boat to China. Uh, not even slow boat to China, that'd be a nice diversion. Moonlight in Vermont, stars fell in Alabama. All that sort of stuff is always in the background, so I was always aware of melody. But I was never motivated to go and play the thing because of the connotations it had with novelty foxtrots and constant practising of songs I didn't really like. So whilst all your friends were buying seconds out, you uh, were I, I was there listening to the songs of Noel Gay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaning on the lamppost at the corner of a street of who's been polishing the sun. Yeah, all, all that sort of stuff. So I've got quite an encyclopedic knowledge of songs from the 30s and 40s mm. and all the weird stuff and musical songs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that sort of leads us... I know this is a Doctor Who podcast, but this is a bonus yes. episode, so we can we can do whatever we want. Right. Nobody's listening. Yeah, no. So... Um, 
that leads us probably on to a few mutual likes. So my musical taste is probably, I'd go 90% informed by you. Uh, hard luck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because been polishing the sun. there was no music in my house, really. There wasn't. Growing up. None. And you think you were probably aware of this. Uh, yes. Nothing. Which makes it all the more weird why you started. Why on mm. earth did you start playing the piano? I remember... Well, I was I was five God. when I started. God help you. Because my first grade was when I was six. Yes. And I remember being sat in school and somebody saying that um, we're watching a video this afternoon mm-hmm. in in school and the first thing that came up on the video I have no idea what it was but it was obviously taped over something yeah and it was of somebody whether it was a student or something just taped of somebody playing the piano yeah and I thought nothing of that and then I remember the same day my man picked me up Mm mm-hmm and I was in the back of the car, and yeah. my mum was in the driver's seat, my nine was in the passenger seat. You can remember this. I c- this is completely vivid. God. And I didn't even know which road we were going down, but good. I'm not going to say it because yeah. I might yeah, end yeah, up with point. a couple yes. of knocks on the door. Yeah. And I remember saying, I think I want to learn how to play the piano. Wow. And I remember my mum said, no, you don't. <laughs> really? Yeah. And it took me probably three weeks of saying, you know, not pestering, <sighs> but of saying, I think I want to... I think I want to have a go. Wow. Because I think I'd tried the violin. And I think I tried it again, maybe, when I started having piano lessons with you. What's the difference between a violin and a trampoline? You take your shoes off to jump up and down (laughs) on a trampoline. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, it took a while, a few weeks probably, and then I remember Menine saying, I know somebody who plays, Mm -hmm. and that was your mum. Yes. Your mother. Yeah. And then I think she said, yeah. you teach. Near, and I remember. I was a near miss. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Hello, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> um, and I remember the first lesson I had with you as well. God. Seriously. You had a, a black leather coat. Uh, and you came here first. Yeah. And took the keyboard across the road uh, yeah, well, to where I... I remember it not. Yes. But I remember wow. stood in the front room. Really? And you were coming across, and the nine was coming across, and you had the keyboard with you. Good grief. And you walked through the door, and you said, Hello, I'm Tim. Wow. Oh, God. And ever since then, I've Seriously? been scared and yeah. twitching <laughs> every <laughs> night. Anyone anyway, with a black leather coat, quick, yeah. come on. <laughs> Go out of the way. Has he got a keyboard? But yeah, that's... Wow. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. I can't remember any of that. Yeah. It's very rare you'll get someone who wants to play something on their own. But if you do find anyone like that, you know they're going to be good. Usually they're forced into it yeah. by parents. Well, yeah, because I do some teaching as well. Yeah. And a lot of them, it is not them that want... They're, they're just victims of their parents' yes. aspiration. And, and, and as wrong that might be to say, I think until you witness it, it becomes obvious. Yes. And you can instantly tell somebody that wants to learn the yeah. guitar or wants to learn the piano or something. Yeah. And somebody whose parents yeah. thinks it would be a nice thing for That's them to do. That's why I'm going to students anymore. 
Well, their parents ruined it for me and them. Yeah. And but, but yeah, like I say, my musical taste. Yes, it's probably it's down to you to because a there was mine. nothing. Yeah. Here. Well, there wasn't anything. Nothing. No. I I never came home from school or playing outside and the radio would be on. No. Or even no. coming across and there was no. But no. I fa- I only found out after my tide had died. Mm-hmm. There was a huge record collection oh, in the attic. Seriously. Of horrendous classical uh, Russian. There's always when when you go to charity shops. Yeah. There's always a massive quantity of old um, thirty three RPMs. L- LPs of really obscure stuff. Yeah. Like I said, dead Russians or holster planets. Yeah, yeah. Tons of planets. Loads and loads yeah. of stuff yeah, like you that. Can, you can find loads of them and they're like 50 pence each. Um, I don't know why, because people seem to buy them and then not listen to them. But nothing. Oh, wow. At all. Yeah. Growing. Which is a shame. Yeah, because uh, it's hard to know because I've, no, I've got no way of judging what everybody else's childhood was like, like that, really. Not to say that I was a loner. You know, I went well, out. To, I went out. Yeah. Out to play. I, you yeah. know, I didn't do the football. And no, but you had friends. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, people I knew. Yeah. Well, and, well. You know, so it's hard to know whether what everybody else is like at that time. Are they listening to what their pet? Well, they're obviously that's where they're going to get informed from. So it'd be it's interesting to think <laughs> where if your parents didn't listen to music. Right, music wasn't a thing that was. In the background, is which in, it never was. Is it in the family, darling? It's well, what, it's what a lot of them say. Mm. Is it? Oh, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to teach you then. Well, to put it into perspective, I think one of the first lessons, or one of the first times that you came mm-hmm. to teach me, we got rid of the family radio to you. Yes. That was, yeah. that yeah. was it. It was Whoa, gone. Oh, weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, and huge. The, and there was. You're right. You know, there was never any music on the phone. But then again, you didn't need it. And what would happen if you did? Would you have ended up like this? If you'd have been crazed. Fed, if you'd have been fed up on a diet, oh, fed up. If you'd have been fed, <laughs> not <laughs> Freudian penis. Oh, sorry. Um, if you'd have been fed on a diet <laughs> of Jim Reeves or Johnny Mathis, yeah, or Frank Sinatra, would you have ended up with all this stuff? And with the ear you got, you might go in a different way. Mm, the fact is, you made your own mind up that that's what you wanted to do, and you were fortunate enough to have a good ear. Yeah. And you always did have a good ear. And how is anyone's guess? Because if you're not listening to music from it, that, that's the weird thing, is it? Because I haven't got perfect pitch. You've got good relative pitch. Yes. Rel- good relative pitch is better than perfect pitch. Perfect yeah, pitch I, can I trip can... you over so many times. Yeah. Uh, relative pitch is better. Because uh, I think my. Re- as long as I've got one reference point. Yes. I'm. I can lock that yeah. all day. Yeah. If you've got perfect, perfect pitch. Yeah. Then if something is slightly out, or if all all the instruments in the band are slightly out, then you've had it. To, to be fair, not to be sort of, I've got a good ear. My ear isn't as good as it was. I think since my right ear went a bit funny at that at a rehearsal. Yeah. It has knocked it. Off a little bit. Uh, you haven't had much practice in the past two years anyway. That is true. You need practice. It'll mm. come back with practice. Yeah. You always have it because you had it at an early age. Yeah. But I would say, I'd say probably my relative pitch, if I played a C in the morning, yeah, I could probably keep that all day. Yeah. It doesn't sort of go away. So I, it's no. probably on the cusp of... It is probably... Perfect pitch. 
Yeah, I reckon so. You know, I, it's just practice. Yeah, you practice it. Do you think you can learn perfect pitch? Yes. Do you? You've got to start fairly early. Uh, yeah, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think you could do it at my age or your age. I think you can. Do you? If you because there's that bloke on YouTube, isn't there, Rick Beato? Who he knows his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Has he got and, perfect pitch? No, but his his kids have, but they don't play. Well, uh, yeah. But so, they, but he's sort of. They'd be around him all the time. He's brought no. Yeah. He purposely brought them up. Yes. To have perfect yeah. pitch. You, to sort of... it, it, it is possible. I think if you drove around all day, uh, which you probably do, probably do, with C playing in the background. Yes. Steady sine wave C. But then again, is that perfect pitch or is that just great relative pitch? Because you're using a reference, aren't you? Whereas yeah. perfect pitch. But that reference becomes perfect pitch. Maybe. Because you're not always oh, using... Oh, you haven't got a... Yeah, I suppose. You're but, not always using the reference. But uh, but you might be. If if you, if you sort of programme... Yeah. Uh, oh! Yeah. That was a good guess, wasn't it? Fantastic. Uh, as your reference. Yeah. And you're constantly thinking about C, 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 C. Yeah. When you've got that in your head... Yeah. Surely you'd be still using that as your frame as, as your reference which may be good relative pitch but no I think once you've got that <clears throat> then and you're used to hearing that then you're just used to hearing a note and you will use that as a reference but over time as long as you can get that reference point first over time you will grow to recognise individual notes I think you can do it mm. I really do when you're watching TV or when you're thinking about TV or any songs mm. if you sing it are you singing it in the same pitch that it's played on TV <clears throat> some things I am Miss Pierce can do it she sings something it's in the same pitch as she remembers it uh, yeah there's certain songs and songs that I don't listen to yeah, you know that, that, that I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. I know exactly what it starts on. Yes, higher love. Stevie Winwood is yeah. one of them. Well, I know exactly what that first note is that oh, he yeah. sings. Yeah, I I think you're not far off perfect pitch. And it's weird because <laughs> other things I wouldn't have a clue. No, like I no, couldn't sing you the theme and be in pitch. It is strange what what locks into your brain. <laughs> there, there used to be a few of them that, but it, yeah, yeah. I, th I think you're not far off perfect pitch. And it's just practice, that's all. Yeah. And it really is just practice, I reckon. Everything's practice. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, yeah, it, I mean, it's easier if you start it when you're six months old um, because then you're just taking everything in your stride. It's like learning two or three languages. Mm. You know, if you've got one parent that speaks one language and one parent speaks another, you'll be speaking two languages by the time you're three or four. I, it's the same with pitch. But if you work hard enough at it, then, yeah, fine, why not? That's true. I've never really thought of it that way because you sort of get told that perfect pitch. You're either... but Well, there's absolute pitch as well, isn't there? Which is sort of... That B is buzzing at F sharp. Yeah. Yeah, imagine how weird that awful. must be. Yeah, but you, you you can do it. You just need the right teacher and the, the correct amount of patience and the correct amount of practice. Mm. And you will do it. Because I, I remember you making me stand in the corner. All the time. This could go. This could be very dark. <laughs> I'm going to carry on finishing my yeah. sentence. All the time. Of standing in the corner. Every right, lesson. Here's C. Every lesson. What's this? Yes. 
you have to do that. And that is, I'm not going to take entirely responsibility for your good ear, but that is the way to do it. Yeah. If you've got the ear, first of all, then you'll have the piano player. You'll have the instrumentalist. Because yeah. once you can hear, then you're on track. It's like artists uh, or painters. They see things. Mm. We walk past a field of green grass. To them, it's not green grass. It's and green, green trees. Purple. There's brown. There's reds in there. There's everything in there. Mm. They, we, just, we just take it for granted it's green. We don't look. Mm. And it's the same with music. If you can hear a major chord or a minor chord or a minor second or a major seventh, then you're halfway there. Yeah. And I, do, I think this is not to be disparaging to other instruments. I do think the piano is the key to stuff like this. Uh, if you can but play maybe it's because I'm coming from that. No, I, th I think the piano is a good starting point. Maybe the only other starting point that's better than the piano is the organ. Well, if you can play the organ, you rule the world. You, you can you can do anything. Yeah. Mind you, I do know organists who can't tie their own shoes or drive. It's, well, it seems to be the closest thing to crazy. I th I think it's just it's just so tricky to I do. Finish the organ. I'm on to conquer the universe. Yes. You know. Yeah, they, they can do anything. If you can play sight read three staves of music. Yeah. Then sight reading two. Phew. It's That's nothing. You, yeah. you can do anything. So from that, but organists seem to stay on the organ. Piano yeah, players. Yeah, there's very few, I think, uh, organists exactly. that play the piano. Yeah. yeah. Of, if, if you start on the piano, then you can more or less do anything. You can hear, when you can hear six or seven notes at once and you know what effect that chord has, then you're away. Yeah, because I find the organ tricky. Because uh, I've done a couple of I weddings. Find it impossible. And I think people might not be interested in this, but you know, somebody might. Mm. But I think the weddings that I've played. And for what the organ is, you can't really get away playing the organ without playing the pedals. You've got to play the pedals. Because it's sort of... That's why they're there. It doesn't really work. You no, know? I listened to Vito Staccata, and when the pedals come in, God, yeah. I mean, And I think yeah. that is the trickiest part, really. When you're so used to a key bed, yeah. and then suddenly that key bed is on the floor as well. Yes. Yeah. It's a... Yeah, when you watch as a, an American organist, I think it might be dead now, called Carlo Curley playing the, the Flight of the Bumblebee with his feet. Yeah. And on. if you watch just people like um, a Phil Kelsall from Blackpool Tower, he's just bouncing about. Oh, some of the theatre organists yeah. are like... How do you keep your balance? Yeah. You've got both feet going. You've got like three or four pedals, um, I mean volume pedals, controlling three or four manuals. And, you, and you've got a full pedal board and you've got the stops. Yeah. And, and you've got music to turn the page. You're balancing on your on, on your bony buttocks. How do yeah. you not fall, off, fall over backwards? I don't know how they do it. Yeah. I, I just can't do it. So getting back to musical tastes, we've got a lot of similar tastes. And they sort of, they dip in and out, don't they? Yes. I think, which is normal. Yes. You know. It's mainly, let's face it, virtuoso prog rock keyboardists. Yes. It's got to um, be. Yes. Because so I'm trying to think, really, what the first thing is that you turn me on to, man. <laughs> um, there's a few things. and I'm, I think it's probably Chaz and Dave. Yes. And instantly, if there are any, for the British listeners that have listened to the podcast, there will be an instant smirk. Yes, there will be. And that. Yes. Oh, man. Would you smirk at Chuck Berry? 
well, like I say, this is a bonus episode, so bear with us. Would you smoke a Jerry Lee Lewis? I'll let you go on. Jazz and Dave are musical royalty. Yes. They've been around. They've. I can't understand why they haven't had an OBE each. Yes. They were there at the start. They've played in loads of bands. And played with everybody. Everybody. Everybody in the 50s and 60s who and came over from America. They've been the first choice. Yeah. They were there. They were there. Charles Hodges especially. Yes. On, on every instrument, piano, know, guitar, guitar, bass. bass. It doesn't matter. He could do it. Yes. Thoroughly nice. Having a nice time. Yeah. And the only reason why people might smirk at them is because they wanted to develop their own homegrown style of rock and roll, hmm. not be influenced by the Americans. I should imagine if they're influenced by the Americans, they might have got a wider popularity for a shorter time. But they wanted yes. rock and roll sung in British accents. Better still, English accents. Yes. London accents, let's face it. And Perishing Cockney. Yeah. Hand over all your lolly. Yeah. Um, and that is why they get the reputation that they do. But they are two musical virtuosi. Yes. Uh, and we've said this. Yeah. To varying degrees of people agreeing or just shrugging it off as sort people of... will just shrug it off because all they, all they remember is ain't no pleasing you and snooker loopy and rabbit yes um, but you know if you want to I urge anybody to have a go at rabbit yes while playing the piano singing that offbeat rabbit yeah. while playing bass <laughs> but yeah I urge anybody if you think of them as a joke yeah I urge you to just have a look beyond the hits. Yeah. Yeah. Just watch the bass lines. Watch oh, the yeah. freedom of the bass. Yeah. From the bottom of the fretboard to the top. Yeah. Effortless as well. Effortless. And the same on the piano. Yeah. Playing anything. In that style. I'm not saying that they are virtuosos of the instrument, but in their genre but of the, rock and roll The fact is... Filling out a song. Yes. Yeah. They are song virtuosos, I'd say. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they'd sit down and nail the, I don't know, C-sharp minor, Rachmaninoff. They're not going to sit there and... No. But, but for Songsmith... What would you rather listen to? Yeah. If I went into a pub and there was someone playing some Chopin ballad, or I could hear Charles Olgers playing the piano, which one I'd go for. Yeah. yeah. And there's a reason why Chaz and Dave were the, probably the first choice. is because it's easier... Where they're simpler stuff to recreate. Mm. You've got a chord in the right hand, you've got a, a bass line in the left, and when you put those two together on the offbeat, you're away. Mm. It's rock and roll, and it's straight away. Yeah. You don't have to work too hard. A lot of people say you can't get anything out of the piano unless you work for four years. No. You do rock and roll, you can, you can get a long way in a few months, and Chaz and Dave will do it for you. Yeah. But then again, you go on to Keith Emerson. Hmm. Uh, well, come on. Uh, what? Uh, there's nothing that we can say really about Keith Emerson is that, that has not already been said. Uh, yes, not by us, but you said know. and forgotten about. Yes. Um, but at the time, he was just phenomenal. It still is. There's nobody really that comes. There's that Jordan Rudess. And, you know, people like that that are following in that vein. But they just 
Yeah, but nobody comes close. But some he's got such a classical background, huge that he is yes. and jazz background really. Yes, that he yeah. has melded, melded, melded is a good word. Melded, welded, and melted. Yeah, so together, melded's good. Yeah, well, yeah, and he sort of came from. I'm not saying he came from nowhere. He probably had some sort of pedigree to draw on, but he prog rock bred people like that. Yeah, um, but he knew his stuff. You know, you can hear big Russian composers in his music. Oh yeah, you some of hear... his piano concert, the yeah. the piano, yeah. the piano concert. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's just overlooked. Yeah, he all really the time. Is. But it's phenomenal stuff. Really difficult, tricky stuff. Polyrhythmic. Yeah. Um, hard stuff to play. So, that probably leads us on to the prog side of stuff, doesn't it? Really. Yes. That. Obviously, I've come to all of this stuff. Or came to all this yeah. stuff completely fresh, yes. Of anything, yes. So the first time I heard Chaz and Dave, yeah, was my first rock and roll, yes. And my first time coming to Emerson Lake and Palmer, whichever that was, or well, whatever. Uh, I don't know what it would have probably, probably. I'm trying to think what you would have done. I don't know. I can't remember. I remember Chaz and Dave because Chaz and Dave was a staple of mine. Um, because it's easy, you know. You get to learn twelve-bar blues, yeah. Which you have to learn. You got if, no choice. Yeah, if you can't play a twelve-bar blues, you've had it. Yeah. Just and anybody, anybody that's listening, I know there's a few people that listen that play. I can't underestimate, or you can't underestimate, the power of a twelve-bar blues. Yeah. The impact that will have on somebody yeah. just you playing a twelve-bar. Yeah. A simple 12-bar. Simple 12-bar. You've got three chords. You've just got to remember what order they come in. And remembering the order is the main thing. Yeah. That's the thing that I've noticed whenever I've taught anybody the 12-bar. Yeah. It's not the chords. It's not the pattern of the fifth to the sixth. Nope. Da, 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 da. Nope. It's remembering how long do I hold on to C yeah. for? How long is it F? How long it's is it G? It's remembering the order. And it's remembering the importance of the fifth chord. And yeah. remembering the sound of it and knowing where the fifth chord goes because it usually goes to the first. Once you've got the 12-bar blues... And you know the pattern. You can, that's you, the point you, where it unlocks. <clears> where it? it unlocks. Yeah. And you can hear that the fifth will go to the first, and you know the difference between the first, fifth, and the fourth. And I'd say, I'd go as far to say that the 12 bar is really the key to working out Western harmony. Yes. Because it gives you all of your cadence. It gives of, you all, all the cadence points. Yeah. Ev- everything you all want. All of your main cadences, yes. anyway. Nothing, yeah. nothing strange, but... It's all there of you know what a fourth to the root sounds yeah. like. You know what the fifth to the root. You got your plagal. You got your, you know, your plagal. You got your imperfects. You got your perfects. Yes, everything and, it is everything there. It is basically a beginner, an idiot's guide <clears throat> to music theory. Yeah, and yet it's frowned upon. Yeah, you won't find piano teachers teaching it. Well, I, I don't understand. I what don't this understand is. that as well. They, they won't do it. Either because they can't, because I do know a lot of, um, um, well, I used to know a lot of piano players who are fantastic piano players, don't know what 12-bar blues is. See, that, <coughs> and I think that's that's very rare, isn't it? Because, or not rare, sort of say in our case, really, because I'd say that my background, not that it, it probably doesn't show, was classical. Yes. First and foremost. Oh, yeah, of course it was, yeah. Yeah. And that's very strange, isn't it, for a cl- for classical repertoire to be mixed in with rock and roll left hand? 
Yeah, it depends on... Not I'm going to blow me on trumpet now. It depends on the teacher. And it depends on the student, largely. If you've got a student who's unresponsive, then you've had it. Mm. If you've got a student who's interested, then you can get away with teaching both. And I've always thought, that, yeah, do the classical stuff. But if you walked into a pub and there's someone playing a Chopin Nocturne, I've said this before, haven't I? Yeah. Or you've got someone playing uh, Lucille. Yeah. Um, Lucille. Yeah, not the uh, Kenny Rogers one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I'd, I'd go for the big rhythmic hammering <clears throat> piano. Yeah. That's what all, the time. all the time. So you, you you give your students the ammunition to play what people want. And I think, yeah, and I think people have a different perception of what the piano is as well as an instrument. Now they do. It's very much a repertoire yes. instrument. Yeah, now they do. Yeah. Um, fortunately, or unfortunately, I, oh, I'm a cold play brought the piano back. Mm. Um, and that's used as a big rhythm instrument in cold play. And keen. Yes. And muse to a certain extent, but he's a bit of a virtuoso in muse, isn't he? Uh, he's a good piano player. Mm. But we need more piano. The, more, the world does need more piano. It does. So, but yeah. it's easier to learn guitar. It is easier to learn the guitar. Cause uh, unless you play rock and roll piano. <laughs> well, that's what I'm. That's sort of a point I was going to make, that because I started on the piano, yeah. I still will only ever say I can play the piano. Yes. Even mm. though there's things in this room. Uh, yeah, one or two. You know... I so missed it. <laughs> That's a rotor tone. Um, so I have don't think this is not to be. I don't think I've I struggled to pick up anything else. You want to if you can play the piano. And that's that's what I tell everybody. Because you develop the coordination mm. and the ear. If you can control what you're playing, seven eight notes at a time sometimes, and bring the top one of those notes out relative to the other seven mm-hmm. and keep the six middle ones slightly quieter than the top one and play the bottom one either louder or quieter depending upon what you want then you can more or less play anything well that's the thing you know and you're using your foot yeah and the amount of coordination it takes to read the music figure out what to play when to play it how to play it find the notes stick your fingers on the notes and use a pedal yeah. it's a huge amount of stuff yeah it's just enormous. And I think, yeah, because I'd say we, both of us, we play the piano and then we play other things yes. to a competent level. Yeah, yeah. if I, yeah. If, if someone said, you're on now, yeah. here's the guitar, I'd yeah. have no choice, I'd have to. Yeah. Um, but the piano gives you that confidence. It, it's weird, isn't it? Yes. And it seems to be a sort of a confidence or maybe an understanding, not a smugness. No, it's confidence. It of yeah, it is confidence, isn't it? Yes, of sort of, and I think it's the <clears> thing that sets certain. Do I say the word musicians? <laughs> yes, you, you pushed your glasses, pushed up, your glasses nose up your nose there. Nose that, yeah. It sets people apart. Not not up my nose. Up, your nose. <laughs> up the bridge of my nose. <laughs> it set. It's got a thing, isn't it? That it sets people apart. The confidence. Oh, not, it, it comes across as a sort of, well, we're better. No. It's not that. It just... I don't know. I can't think of a way to explain it, really. We're just it, confident. Yes. But not in a sort of... A big cocky way. That's what I mean, yeah. This, it's not uh, a cockiness. It's a confidence in you can 
deal with what's given to you. Yes. Or you can make mistakes and not be bothered about them. Yes. Which is confidence. Yeah, which I'd say is something that I don't deal with very don't well. You? I wouldn't say so. I can do. I can sort of get through. If I make a mistake in a gig, yeah, I do think about it. But I, it's sort of the confidence to sort of not let that come out. You just got to get rid of yeah. it. Mistakes are good. I like mistakes. It's not the mistakes you make; it's how you get out of them. Nothing's perfect. Perfect is the enemy of good. Ooh, perhaps that's the name of the episode. Yeah, per- <laughs> perfect is the enemy of good. If you if you go for perfect, no, don't bother with it. If you think, in, let's say, an hour and a half of music, you're going to pay thousands of notes. <clears throat> you get one of them wrong. Let's say you yeah. pay 5,000 notes in a night. No, let's, let's say you play like 2,000 notes in a night. You get one note wrong in 2,000. You get that as a strike rate at any, anywhere else you work. Yeah. You, you, you'd have a bonus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, know, you hear the occasional wrong note. But if you're not confident, then that'll stop your playing. If you're confident, you just shrug it off. Yeah. And you realise that you may well be the only person there who heard it. That is the other thing, isn't it? I yeah. think, and and that probably comes back to us viewing the music of Doctor Who. Yes. So when you have an understanding of it beforehand, yes. you look on it differently. Yes. Whereas, and that's, and that's an interesting thing, I think, really, to think whether the composer thinks like that, where he's composing in a way of, I wonder what, Tim and Harry would think of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they do. I think Murray Gold is playing what Murray Gold wants. wants. I think, unfortunately, I <laughs> know oh, I can't say it. You can. Do you think Sagan Akinola is doing what he is told? I think he's doing all he can do. Right. Well, he is. He's 26, isn't he, I think? Yeah. I, d- I don't think he's... He hasn't got much of a pedigree. D- no. Well, I think this is his first real... Uh, yes. J- real job. Uh, not real job. He's, he's, he's done a lot of shorts, hasn't he? And a couple of documentaries and maybe a film. I've done an advert. Yeah, uh, we are. But if you listen to what he's done, then it's Why the same... Why won't BBC have me? It's the same... <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to what he's done, it's the same sort of... Pad. We'll call you. It's the same pad. <laughs> it's the same pad-oriented stuff. Yeah, he just hits a behind everything, and that's it. Yeah, that's all he does. Well, we we did a bit of a well, I did a bit of a breakdown of the music of one of his episodes, and it was a historical one. So King James was in it. Hysterical, yeah, hysterical, okay. historical, and I just kept saying things that he could have done rather than. It was fine for what he did. Yeah. You know, it didn't offend... It wasn't offensive. No. You know, it doesn't... But it's just... I kept, uh, came away from it thinking, I'll think what you could have done with that. Yeah. Instrumentation-wise, <sighs> composition-wise. <sighs> Missed opportunities. Exactly. And it really is. And you go from Murray Gold to... Uh, yeah, well... I, I, I can't say anything because could I do anything better? I don't know. It's it's hard to know, isn't it? It's, yes. It, and I think with the pressure, especially of how media is this, these days, yeah, where everything has to conform to a set of rules, yes, is um, you know, yeah. I guess in a way he's luckily that the whole program is terrible, so he doesn't stand out. <laughs> 
It's yeah. It's it's one of those things because I th- I sometimes I think not to be cocky about it, but I think I'd love to have a go if they call like me to have and they said, as well. right, we'll give you one episode. If it was like the way it used to be, yes. Doctor Who, where yeah. yeah, Dudley did a load of it, but Malcolm Clark did what six of them. Yes, there's a couple of composers that just did like one story, or yeah. you know, if they just said right, have this one, mm-hmm. give have it a go. go. Here's your orchestra. Yeah. You've got... Or even if they just said, here's the story. No, I'd, I'd reckon if they said, listen, you're on after Murray Gold, right? <laughs> OK. It's, it's like when you go to a gig and you're second on and the first group says, yeah, we'll leave our stuff on the stage, you can use it. And you're on after Murray Gold and he says, OK, well, you know, the orchestra's there. It's, mm. it's there waiting for you. Do you want me back, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You get, you've got like a few months to familiarise yourself Brought with everything. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a few months to familiarise yourself with it, and there we are. There we go. It's the same budget. It's the yeah. same thing. There's your orchestra. There's your electronic stuff. Here's your personnel. Off you go. Yeah. And you say, oh, I don't, don't, don't fancy much of the orchestra really. I'll just play this pad here, and you go in the background. <laughs> And you think, well, why? It's, and be- yeah. And you, you're just going from lush and thematic and well-composed and popular. You're yes. going away from it. Why? I think they've probably done it to sort of go... Worse. <laughs> it's not the word I was looking for. <laughs> Are you sure? They've probably... Attempted to maybe go back, not to how it was, to go a bit more alien. Is that the word? You can't. But it doesn't. Well, we've said this, or you've said this, that that style yeah. doesn't seem to work. <clears throat> doesn't work now anymore. No, you can't. Uh, love him or loathe him. Murray Gold has set the gold standard. Hey! Thank you very much. <laughs> He's here all night. <laughs> Try the fish. He's, it's the gold standard, and yes. it is. It's in the classic FM Top 100. It's got its oh. own sellout Albert Hall thing. It's yeah. good stuff. It's lush. And seeing as the, as the title of the podcast is Who Can Convince You, I think you have turned me around to Murray Gold you have, somewhat. You have to listen to the orchestration. This this standalone pieces. Yeah, I think in isolation, I enjoy it. Yes. But I think it's because it's it goes hand in hand with the things I don't like. Yes. Yeah, but... It falls into that yeah. hole of sort of, oh, there's loads of kissing in Doctor Who and I don't yeah. like that and the family values oh. thing. And I just dr- grab Murray Gold because he's like, dun, 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 yeah, yeah. dun, dun, right, you can get in the bag as well. <laughs> I think that's what it does is it sort of falls in... Yeah. Just if, because it's there. If, if you have a meal, right, and the first course is all meat and you can't stand it, but you love the trifle, you don't just chuck meat and a trifle into the bin. No. You get rid of the meat and you you have a nice time with the trifle. And the music will stand alone. Just listen to it. Mm. It's, it's, I, it's The whole treatment of everything is great. I just I, I seem to remember one theme... Of Murray's that I I did like, and I'm sure it was like Gallifrey, our home. I'm going to find it now. Actually, I, I, all, all the things that we're listening to or have listened to, I'm going to p- 
put arms sort of yeah. under everybody. I've looked, like I said, I didn't have much time because uh, I've been working hard this week um, on horrible shifts. So I think this is it, Gallifrey. This is Gallifrey, our childhood, our home. Now I haven't listened to this. See, you've got a clock ticking in the background there. Mm. And Hans Zimmer did the same thing in Dunkirk. Huh? So this is instantly transporting back to the time where I thought. It's time. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. But I can't deny that that works. Seems to be influenced by Hans Zimmer. It, or maybe, yeah, well, it's, when when is Hans Zimmer? Like, when know. is his prime? It's hard oh, to know where... God knows. I have a it's probably idea. at this time, isn't it? Yeah. Early 2000s, where... Yeah. It's just, that's good stuff. Yeah. And you don't realise it because you're just watching the floating Daleks. <laughs> and the Terminator, like Cybermen. This is one of the... Well, how did that happen? Well, the thing is, the Cybermen are essentially... Homo sapiens or humans with added you know, bits who have stuck bits on, yeah, to survive, yeah. So it's sort of, I think it's sort of a, a an idea of what would we be like in thousands of years where I was scared of it when I was 11, yeah, might have happened then. So, you know, so I wouldn't go to Tibet, and I think that's <laughs> I wouldn't. I read somewhere, right. And it's probably the same Reader's Digest box, Skyby Five. So in Tibet, right, they drank tea, but then butter in it. <laughs> and I said, "What's oh, my childhood? So afraid of going to Tibet because I'd have to drink tea with butter in it." Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think I save a child in Tibet having to drink buttered tea. But I think that's sort of what makes the Cybermen scary: is that even though you see a robot, yeah. That there is somebody in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that is an issue that the programme has got now where they're just robots. Yes. And yeah, there's, there's no... There's no vulnerability. No, they're just... They don't have to answer questions about emotions and stuff, do they? No. No, yeah. You can't crush gold into them and make them foam green goo. See? No, so, are. um... And the Borg. <sighs> the Borg are just, like, early Cybermen, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Mind you, that Star Trek two-parter when they encounter the Borg. That's how good that is. <laughs> anyway, carry on. I'm anyway, not about uh, so Star Trek, are we? Just fin- sort of finishing up, sort of tying up some musical <laughs> influence stuff and composer stuff. Yeah. Somebody who I always thought would be quite interesting to hear what they would do with the programme mm-hmm. musically, it would never happen, is Senor Tony Banks. Well, it would never happen. I, I know it would never happen. I don't think... I think he'd, he'd have a hard time with it. But what do you think of his... Obviously, Tony Banks is from Genesis. He is. 
And he has got a very interesting chord vocabulary. I'm shaking my head. Shake it. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. <laughs> no. Do you think anybody would work who is from a more mainstream vein? Because this it tends to be yes. it's a bit of a thing now, isn't it? Where yes. people from bands start to yeah, yeah. It's one band. Almost everything they do sounds like a sixties theme tune. They're capable of stonking great ostinato things. They've got a great bassist. Is it Muse? It's Muse. Mm. I think Muse would do it. Whatever the front man's name is. What is his name? Is it Matthew Bellamy? It's Matthew Bellamy. I think he could do it. Mm. It'd be interesting to see. I'd love to know what Matthew Bellamy would do with Doctor Who. Because I've never been a big fan of Muse. Um, oh. And I don't know why. I think they've just sort of I've never oh. looked... So, Knights of Cydonia, or whatever it's called, um, Hysteria. Um, mm. I, I bet he'd stomp all over this thing. Mm. He'd make, Given the chance. Because he he's obviously must have some sort of a classical background. I think he's got a huge classical background. I don't know much about him. No. But he does... I heard him play that sort of Rachmaninoff-inspired thing that comes in the middle of one of the pieces, and his guitar playing is good. Yeah. The bassist is just fantastic. He's, Try and play hysteria. It's one of these things that will just wind your brain up in oh, knots. Like um, it takes over. What's the King Crimson King Crimson thing? Uh, frame by frame. Frame by frame. No. It's it's one of these things where you've got to be really cool to play because if you start thinking about it, you've had it. Um, I think Muse would do wonderful, wonderful music. It would be it'd be really interesting to see. But I think they're the only ones who could. Yeah, there's nobody else that really comes to mind. No. Unless they went for a big name to do the music. Yeah, well, who? It's nobody would really fit, would they? David like... Arnold? But he's already doing Sherlock. Mm. But there are... Same I... showrunners, though. The same showrunners. And I think David Arnold... Whenever you think about Doctor Who, and you think about the themes for anyone, and you think about the instrumentation and the orchestration, then the early stuff... All right, well, it's obvious time, synthesizers, mm. tape machines. The new stuff is traditional instruments, but only traditional instruments from Western music. Yeah, it's sort of flipped, isn't it, really? Because you'd assume that it would be the other way round. Because it seems to be the way that exactly. a lot of scores nowadays yeah. are more synthy. More synthy, but with more percussive. It's more, more rhythmic, stuff. isn't it, rather than thematic. Yeah, let's go back to <laughs> take your instruments. Time, yeah, take <laughs> your instruments from like five hundred years ago, because he's a time traveller. Just stick old instruments in and stick modern instruments in. We said we said the exact same thing when we watched that one that I said about with Sagan Akinola. Yeah. The Witchfinders. There's King James there. Yeah. There was no lutes. Ah. There was no recorders. Exactly. Yeah. You know, wooden flutes. You know, all of that sort of yeah. That thing that all instantly that you hear a lute. Yeah. And it instantly takes you to that Renaissance exactly thing. But the, the, you do have a, a danger there falling into the whole Mickey Mousing trap. Um, yes. Which is not just following the action. It's follow, following the historical period. But I think you only fall into that trap if you. Right for that instrument in that style. Yeah, you've got to use the instrument. So if you style. use, yeah, if you use the timbre of that instrument in a modern compositional setting, yeah. yes, 
Well, look at the popularity of Why harpsic- haven't the BBC oh, oh. phoned us? What is going on? Look, look at the popularity of harpsichords in the 60s. Yes. They were everywhere. Yeah. Uh, whether it was harpsichord or a clavi, I don't know. But it was that, that sort of sound. Yeah. But if you look at what David Arnold did with Sherlock, there's a dulcimer in there. Mm. Now, I suspect it's layered or something else. There might be a bit of honky-tonk piano or something on top of that dulcimer. Well, but Mrs Mills dulcimer. was big into... But why not just use a huge range of instruments? Yeah, I d- yeah, I d- tons yeah. from as, as far back as you can muster them, just to represent the time. Use synths, use modern instruments, use old stuff. Well, maybe it's it's probably a budget thing, isn't it? If you're going to pay, not- pay for the BBC Concert Orchestra, oh, that's going to oh. take a big whack, that isn't it? Bah. But you can guarantee there's people in that orchestra who've got... Have you got loot? Yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? That I mean, is true. There'd be someone there with all sorts of nonsense. They'd all yeah. be too willing to play the thing. I've got some rototoms. Yeah. yeah. Well, why not? Drums, you need yeah. Stick them all in and see if you can blend them together. Yeah. Either that or just use melodies. Because I know, listen this morning, who was the second companion of the new era? Uh Martha? Maybe? Have you heard her theme? Let's get it up now. Have a listen to this. Just let it run a bit. Now that, let's let it run. See, that's... Makes you do that, doesn't it? Yeah, that's odd, <laughs> isn't it? Gives you jazz shoulder, doesn't yeah. it? lovely Mm. and that's not traditional no but do you think maybe that one of the problems with not one one of the problems maybe one of the things that people pick up on more with Murray Gold is the constant reuse of a theme I think that ties you into the programme so it it grounds it do you think by that sort of yeah it gives you extra because I remember a time where wherever you saw Rose, as much as I wasn't a fan of Rose, no, you you heard that theme every time you saw her. It gives you a visual clue and an, an oral clue. Yeah, uh, it just brings you further into it without you knowing it. That is true. Which is what it's all about. Mm. That's why people have themes that have Wagner had light motifs, and you can alter that theme. Well, do you, where do you stand on light motif versus a theme? I think themes good. Um, yeah, but you have to have a light motif. With, well, you don't have to. You can have a theme for a person. So, are you are you saying that a light motif is within a pre-existing orchestration that motif appears? Yes. You, rather than being a set piece, that is. <laughs> this is Martha's theme. That is Martha's theme. That's Martha's theme. But is Martha's theme that melody? Yes. Or that 
piece. Martha's theme is that entire is is the main melody from the piece. So the motif of the her, light the light motif of her melody would be a it, suggestion of that. No, it, the, Beethoven's Fifth. Yes. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. There's your light motif. And it it comes back, yeah. It comes okay. back it inverted, it comes back the wrong way around. Yeah. He does things with it. That's your light motif. Uh, but it's not the main theme. The mm. main theme has that within it. So she's got a main theme. The light motif you can just extract from there. So maybe that first couple of bars. That, think, yeah, that, that, that does it. appear, doesn't it? That, yes. That close. So if, if every time you saw her, you played that, and if maybe one time she was a bit sad and you shifted that to the minor key, well, it's probably in the minor key now, isn't it? Or if she was a bit happy, you did something else with it, or if she was working hard, you do it quickly, mm. then that's a treatment of your leitmotif. Yeah. And that gives you a clue orally, even though you don't know you're listening to it, because you'll be watching it, but it just ties you into it. Yeah. So that wraps up Murray Gold, doesn't it? That's Murray Gold. And I most was, of who? I was inclined to say, Murray Gold, nah, too popular, it's all rubbish. It's I would hopeless. have said exactly the same. And I was I was dying to say that, to make myself sound like I knew what I was talking about. Um, but no, unfortunately, I think he's he knows what he's doing and he's done a fantastic job. Yes. But he's dramatic himself mm. and he knows what he's doing and I would not like to follow him. I will say that. As much as I'm not a fan of Sagan Akinola, yeah, he has been handed some huge boots to fill. Yeah. But then again... Without going into it, it's different now, isn't it? I, I wouldn't have touched it with a badge ball, not with someone else's badge then, ball with a rubber glove on the end. But then again, it's sort of like you've done the music for Doctor Who, regardless of if it's good or bad. It's a thing, isn't it? I think I'd probably take it. You'd probably take it, but would you be? Looked would you on tell on, anybody? Would you tell anybody? <laughs> would you say, yeah, I took over after Murray Gold, and then I haven't had my. Do you remember? Yeah, that's me, that is. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I couldn't do it. No one offered me the gig. They, you know, Waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah, no, no one offered me it, and if they did offer me it, would I be able to do it? And the answer is probably no. No. What if you took it, What if you took Murray Gold out of the context, then? Say it was never him that, that redid the programme. Oh, it's hard, though, well, isn't it? I tell you what, th- this is sort of... This leads on to my final question, really. Yeah. Where, say the BBC came to you. Yeah. You can think of this in a way of... We'll do it in two ways. You, you haven't got a choice. Right. You've got to take this job. Yeah. They want you as the new composer. Yeah. What would you do? First off, if Murray Gold didn't exist... Or not didn't exist. Let's say it doesn't exist. Yeah. 2005. Okay. 2005. Russell T. Davis me. comes on the phone. Not, not, not. Oh, sorry. You're not going to phone Davis. Yeah. Um, you go, <laughs> you're funny ring, 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 ring. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, Oi, Tim. You know, how are you fixed? How's your organ? Yes. You... <laughs> <laughs> and you say, All right, then I'll do it. Yeah. The first thing you've got to do is ignore the ghosts of Doctor Who past that are. Tapping you on the shoulder, yeah. saying, "Dudley's corpse." This, this is, yeah. yeah. Dudley will be out. tapping you on the shoulder. Get your synth out, and he'd be saying, "Get your synth out." This is what I did. Mm. How about that? And they say that about anything. It's like when you, um, the musical cabaret, 
the MC played by Joel Grey. Anyone else who tries to do it now, you've had it. You can't. You can't. Mm. You just appeal the imitation of Joel Grey, and you've got to try and ignore that. But I think enough time had elapsed, and a generation had more or less gone between yes. Dudley. I can use his first name now. Good old Duds. Duds. And what you Simpo. do. Uh, but you'd have to come to it completely fresh, not having seen it at all. So do you think it's best to hire a composer? We'll get back to what you do. Yeah. But do you think it's best to hire a composer who has no affiliation with the programme? So somebody who's not necessarily a fan. It's best to hire a composer whose work you like. If yeah. If Mr Davis said, I'm going to have him, that's what Mr Davis wants, because mm. he's heard your stuff. If he said, listen, we're stuck, I can't find anyone. Or we don't know what we want. We don't know what we want, which would be even worse. Yes. Then you are stuck completely between thinking, all right, this is how it used to be. This is what I've got now. Yeah, because I think you'd assume you want... <clears throat> yes. Do I go for the old stuff just recreated which might sound incongruous against the visual treatment. Or do you go for something you think matches the visual do treatment? Do I try and be Hans Zimmer? <clears throat> or a Jerry Goldsmith? Or a Randy Newman? Oh, no, I don't think Randy Newman could do it. He's far too sentimental American. Yes. You just couldn't do it. It's very Louisiana. It is, yeah. Um, but he couldn't do it. Jerry Goldsmith may be too grand. It's very... Maybe too Brash. maybe too huge. Yes. Too many horns. We don't want too many horns of Doctor Who. No. Uh, it is brash is a good word for Jerry Goldsmith stuff. Yeah. I'm sure he's done some tender stuff, but probably what I hear is all brash, massive it's augmented probably horn sections. The the person who would be the obvious fit is probably Hans Zimmer, isn't it? Yes. Because he brings those two disciplines. He does. Of the synthy. Yes. Weird. Yeah. And the orchestrated. Yeah. I'm afraid. Thing. I'm afraid so. So, what would you do? Hire Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Remortgage the house. Yeah, and, uh, I, I'd say. Oh God, listen. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. But if so, Hans Zimmer doesn't exist either. Hans Zimmer doesn't exist. So you have got well, to Matthew do the score. How's <laughs> he doing? If I've got to do You've it, you've got to do it. What avenue would you go down? I would probably be. I go the synth avenue. Mm. I would, because I think classical orchestras are overused in films, and we're all being bred to expect classical orchestras. It is very synonymous There's with everything. Yes, and if you and anything, any it takes the, films. it takes the excitement out of it. Because I remember, and it probably had this impact, when Doctor Who came back and you heard that orchestral theme, it yeah. probably was a light bulb yes. of sort of, this is completely, completely different. different. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. big and it's cinematic and yeah. it's got that new feel to it. Yeah. But after a while of hearing a constantly orchestral score yeah, and everything around it being an orchestral yeah. score, fill, you go to the pictures... yeah. Orchestral scores. Yeah, you watch other stuff on telly. It's probably an orchestral score. Yeah, you know that is what you've been bred to expect. Yes, it's like when you play in a pub and you have to play a killer stuff. Yes, sex that's, on fire. That's what they sex want. On fire. It's what they want. And yeah. if you don't get that, they're going to be sad. Yeah. Um, so you'd. 
it would be difficult to get away from that. So you could use a sort of treatment of the orchestra, but use keyboards instead, use synths. But that would be tricky to do. See, I think... Not, not too much padding. I think the way that I'd do it is I would probably go for the later Dudley Simpson stuff where he's got five or six orchestral plays. He's got some actual instruments. Yes. But he's still yeah. thinking in that vein. Yeah. And it would probably be easier these days because you've got better sounds on keyboards. Yeah, and I think the yeah. techniques that you could use for capturing those players... Yes. ...means that they come off richer. Yes. Because I think they were, everything, obviously, as well played as it is, was recorded quick... Yeah, because you're in that studio and you're booked from one till uh, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a fortune. You cannot run over. No. You've got to go in there completely prepared. Yeah. Here's the sheet music. Yeah, one go. Yeah, do it. Go. Do it and get out. Yes. Whereas nowadays, with people who've got their own studio, well, you can do it here. Yeah, you can do it in this room. I think. Yeah, you'd you'd get a much. Not saying it would be better, but mm. it would be better for where it is now. Yes. I, I think so. I think the result would be, the result would fit in better. Not yeah. that the music would be better. The result that you could capture with those players would fit into Doctor Who better now. Yes, it would, and would set it apart. I think as it's still orchestral, but but there's something in the background. Yes, yeah. So I th I think yeah, you'd have to use orchestral just to link it to modern day expectations. Yeah. Uh, but you feed in synthesizers and strange sounds under the radar. Yeah. So they're there. Well, yeah, because I think even just little things, like if you've got a string line and you just put a square wave yeah. behind it, yeah. warbling a little bit, yes, just as something a little bit ethereal. A little bit alien. Because I think that is probably something that is a little bit lost, that with Doctor Who now, you go to an alien planet and it sounds like you're in Cardiff. Uh, it's in the... <laughs> that's because you're in Cardiff, yes, you know, it does. There's it, nothing alien about it. It's not very odd. No. You know, there's no, no. it doesn't give off an atmosphere. No, you need nasty clashes. Mm. You need uh, strange time signatures, no time signatures. Yeah. Um, which is what you used to have. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, but now you everything comes to a beat. But that's what we we've been expected, we've been bred to expect. But it works as well, doesn't it? I'm I think afraid it's, so. it's hard to say. Yeah, you know, I agree that we have been bred to expect it, and people like it, so it's what people want. Yeah, but it, it works. works. It, yeah, but it works because like because when, we've been told it works. Like <laughs> when you have to, when you go to a pub and you play and you got to play everything by the Killers. Yeah, it works. That's what the people want, and that's what you give them. Yeah. So, yeah, sparse treatment of modern instruments with instruments for as far back as you can get them, yep. with future instruments, which is what we're surrounded by now, stick them all together. That would be difficult to do, but it's possible. Yeah. All right, then. It's all there. My final question for you, uh, then. Yeah. Okay, completely undoctor Who related, hey. and I've just thought of this off the cuff. Yeah. If we're going to do a quick Desert Island Discs... Yeah. Don't, don't I'll be, I want to be the Kirsty Young to oh. you. How many choices do I have? How many do you want? <laughs> I 
See, this is tricky, isn't it? It is tricky. And I always because my my taste changes every hour. Yes, exactly. And if you ask me now, I could give you seven tomorrow. It could be completely well, different. Seven. The thing is, like I, I thought this because we've got a certain set of people that we listen to. Yeah, and it changes all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. Where we were on a really heavy Chaz and Dave thing, where whenever we yeah. speak, yes. it would be oh yeah, Chaz and Dave, Chaz and Dave, Chaz and Dave, Chaz and Dave, yes. Premier Drums, yes. Premier Drums, yeah, and then instantly bought tickets for Genesis, yes, and then it was Genesis, 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 and Phil yeah. Collins is broke, great, Neil Peart, rubbish, <sighs> you know. Yeah, that's just fact, isn't it? Well, you know. Um, so, uh, what would you pick? Or pick, do some artists. Should we do that no. rather than discs? No, not bother about artists. Are you going songs or albums? Songs. Okay. They don't let you have albums, do they? I don't know. No, they can't. Do you remember when Niall Rogers was on and he picked all his own songs? Yes. <laughs> A couple of people have done that. Oh, by the way, have you heard Tom Jones' new single? Yes. He's really good. It's great. It's got a weird sitar thing going in the mm. back. Anyway. Um, oh, uh, Firestarter by The Prodigy. Okay. Just for the sheer... Oomph. Yes. Mm. See, it's tricky, isn't it? The big problem is, all I can remember now is what I was listening to yesterday. Oh, Malcolm Clark. Yeah. <laughs> I'll choose the Sea Devil score so, <laughs> uh, and Martha's theme and the Prodigy. Right, so we've got Firestarter by the Prodigy. Yes. It is very tricky, isn't it? I, I often think that because for me, the sort of the claim of being a celebrity is that you've been on Desert Island Discs. I don't think you can classify yourself as famous until you've no. been on Desert Island. So what would you pick? Firestarter by the Trilogy. Or the Prodigy. By, by, by the trilogy Prodigy. by M. Slinker Palmer. I was thinking of a Trilogy by M. Slinker Palmer. <laughs> What's the one from Love Beach? It is Love Beach, isn't it? By M. Slinker Palmer. Yeah. There's Walking Through the City After Recent Rain. Is it Memoirs of an Officer and a Gentleman or something? Memoirs of Paris, isn't it? I don't think so. Shall I Google it? Yeah. There's probably somebody screaming at the... Yeah. Because it's lovely. It's just like the way it takes off. It's the best thing on that album. Love Beach is an odd one, isn't it? It's very strange. Let's, uh, let's have a Google. Memoirs of an Officer and a Gentleman. I'd have that. So you've got Firestarter, Memoirs of an Officer and a Gentleman, because the piano... Gosh, Beautiful, that is. It's got, ah, oh, it's lovely. Oblivion by Piazzolo. Piazzolo. Okay. It's lovely. Boogie Street by Leonard Cohen. Oh. Same Girl. Oh, that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got. Still a oh, horrible class. Oh, oh, nasty. It's either that or Germany before the war. You know, one mm. of the scariest pieces of music ever written. Um, so I got Firestarter. Oh, when of an Officer and Gentleman. Oblivion. Same Girl. Same Girl. Boogie Street. Yes. I'd probably have to have the quartet from Rigoletto. Just because the treatment of all the four voices, and it would have to be the Pavarotti, Joan Sutherland one, because it's mega. 
Unbelievable. Huge. It's huge. And I got one more. Um, I would probably go for... Uh, it's got to be a bat out of hell. Yeah. You don't look like you agree with that I, one. I, do, I do agree. I was just... I thought you would have picked something else. Oh, what? I don't know. I, I just assumed... So it's a fifth. Mm. Cinema show. For me, yeah, for me, there would be something from seconds out. And it would probably be cinema show. Just for after five minutes in. Bill Bruford and Phil Collins. Oh, God. At the height of their power. Yes. Yeah, Untouchable. Hammering us all along. That's another thing. I'm think, sorry. No, I've, I've got to change my mind. I want to get rid of Boogie Street. I yeah. want to put Cinema Show in. So I'm having Cinema Show. And supper's ready. Yeah. I'll go for... <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm getting rid of Boogie Street. I'm keeping the same girl. I'm getting rid of Boogie Street. Because although I like it, it's just... Uh, let's, uh, yeah, um, let's have Cinema Show. Live. It's got to be the second out one. Yeah. Yeah. And just whilst we're on that subject of prog rock, yeah, going off piste again, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but that 1976 yeah. to 1980, yeah, Phil Collins, what can be said? Playing anything at any speed in any time signature, untouchable. Yeah, yeah. And he is never, ever, ever on the drummer poles of no. the best drummers. It is always Neil. Peart, Pert. Yes. Uh, and I else? do not understand. John Bonham is always up there, isn't he? Of course, he? I forgot He's about John always number one. Yes, yeah. Um, why not, like, Phil Collins all the time? Or... John Heisman. John Heisman. Yeah. Why not John Heisman? John Heisman. If you want double pe- double bass drum... Madness. John Heisman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, keeping an ostinato going with his feet. Yeah. Whilst... Oh, doing anything... At any time. With any other limb. With any other <laughs> limb. <laughs> yeah. Phil Collins doesn't get any recognition. No. And it's, but it's his own fault. Because he writes sentimental Soppy. maudlin ballads, yes. doesn't he? And that's what he's remembered for. Or dum 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 That. That's nice that's rem- you that's, can save that out of the podcast if you want. Yeah, that's all he re- he's remembered for. And it's, it is his own fault. Him and Walt Disney, mm. or whoever he was writing for. If he wasn't so good at the ballads that everybody likes because it's sentimental and romantic, mm. then maybe people would take some notice of his drumming. Because the Brand X stuff is phenomenal. Yeah, unbelievable. It's, it's just his stuff. That, and, and when you listen to what he does, it's great. When you realise what he's doing, it's uh, his paradiddles are phenomenal. Terrifying. Yeah. Like every time, you know, every time I listen to Seconds Out, I smile from oh. the first... Uh, track yes straight through all the way through supper's ready there's unbelievable some drum, there's some drum intros on that one that's oh, just phenomenal that whole apocalypse in 9-8 thing at the end the things he's doing yeah, over the top scary. of that 9-8 yes. and keeping it going yeah. blows my mind yes. yeah. even Chester Thompson has said on yeah. in an interview this year he has no idea how um, Phil Collins no. plays in nine eight like that, no, and, and, it, and follows the keyboard like because that solo is in four four, isn't it? Over the yeah. top of that nine eight, yeah, you can do anything, and, and anything he's just dropping in, yeah, punching out all of those figures, which yeah. is all that Buddy Rich stuff that's yeah. coming in, and he gets no credit whatsoever no. for any of that, and no. it, and it's not just it's his dynamic control, yeah, he's got dynamic control, no other drummer's got, well, no other British drummer's got. 
No. They just can't do it. And he's got taste. And the thing is, he's got the confidence. And he has been etched into history by... Yes, that's it. Two hands on each drum. Yeah. Come all the way down. Can you flam? And it's still people still think it's a gorilla that does it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, flams. Good things, flam. Nice Stuart Copeland, king of the flam, if you ask me. Ugh, there's another drummer. How can he? It's driven to tears. Have you, does that start with does that start with a succession of perfectly timed flams I know that is um, the live version of Message in a Bottle starts with some horrifically loud yeah so I have a quick listen to Driven to Tears from the album Driven to Tears why has Sting gone even more new Russell? Than he's uh, ever been before. It's like anyone who's away from their home country for a long time. You know, no the Irish in America just sing songs about Ireland all the time. The only life we know is in the shipyard. Uh, yeah. Uh... Scary, this, whole album, this whole album is tremendous. Zenia and yeah. Mandela is the best. Yeah. Police album. It is. It's, uh, it's the best album for drumming. And well, synchronicity is great as well, but ah, that's better. Any ah, well. So, thank you very much. Oh, I had a lovely time. And uh, hopefully, well, people half an hour's research I did this morning <laughs> which was paid off well, didn't it? Paid off well, it does. So yeah, um, thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you, Tim, for my pleasure. Thank you for the tea. You're you're very welcome, and uh, hopefully, some people will listen to this and. Get something out of it, even if it. Let me know. Gets them to. Let me know if Russell T Davis phones. If yes, give him my number. If somebody rings and yes. says, "Yeah, do you know anyone?" Don't tell Tim a phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> don't tell Tim my phone. Thank you very much. But yeah, so yeah. there we go. Yeah, so that's, it goes um, down well. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I may even start watching Doctor Who. Oof. No. I wouldn't go that far. Well, no, I started this morning and some of it's quite good. Britbox is the key. They're all on the all the old ones. Well, I was converted to Murray Gold today. Well, I think I have been as well. I didn't think that would. You've con- who didn't can think convince that would you? You've convinced me. So there we go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. That was our little interview with Tim. Um, thanks Tim for coming along and spending your time to talk about Doctor Who and music in general Um, please everybody let us know what you thought of this and if you'd like to hear more content like this um, our next episode is going to be on Listen and the Robots of Death so if you've got any feedback or comments to send us in on that just wait till the end of the podcast and you'll get all the information for that but thank you very much for listening everybody and we'll see you next time You can send us your feedback and comments by contacting us on Twitter at Who Can Convince, email us at Who Can Convince You at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook at Doctor Who Who Can Convince You Podcast. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment on your podcast platform to help people find us. <laughs>